Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Boop, boop. I know. You don't hear that royalty-free music anymore, man. I mean, that, that's like built into like the Garage Band. That hey, the musical theater mash <sighs> intro, which There's also a show. Yep. that's all about musical theater. I can't I, remember after that. I, I forget what it's. You know, you're watching <laughs> musical theater mash is the end of some <laughs> Garage Band built-in. Haven't changed it yeah. since. But it's great because like every time you hear it on like a podcast or mm-hmm. you know whatever, I'm just like, do you know where I heard that first? Yep. That's musical theater mesh. It's your sonic branding. Well That's done. That's true. My sonic branding. Well done. Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's musical theater happy hour. I'm Tommy. <laughs> and I'm Jimmy. And this is the only musical theater podcast with solid ribs. And well-lit scrims. Here, we take apart your favorite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theater conversation. Jimmy, what are you drinking today? I mean, we're not going to keep that up. Goodness. <laughs> also, we were doing two different skits. I, know. I was doing like um, Parks and Recreation, like late night jazz hour. Yeah. And I don't know what. I kind of turned into a game show at the end. Which... Yeah, it started off like movie. Like, yeah. And now, one of the most debilitating actor notes I ever got in high school was Tommy. Can oh. you tone down the game show host a bit during rumors? Uh, and like, I didn't know I was doing it, which was the worst part about it. What it was, was the show? Uh, rumors by Neil Simon. It's a door farce. It's very okay. funny. Um, I think there's room for a game show voice on that. Yeah, no, it was not my character. I just kind of how I talked on stage. Okay. It was it was a very correct note, and I was like, "Oh no, I didn't even know. I didn't even know." See, see, like that. <laughs> that peak. That peaked. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what am I drinking? You ask. Mm-hmm. Well, green elixir says I. What uh, else could it be? What Come else on. could it be? Unless it's lemons and peaches and what's in the punch? Oh, I don't know. Lemons and peaches and pears. Oh my! I think that's oh what it gosh, is. yes. <laughs> a joke. Um, lemons yeah, and melons it, and pears. Perdona me. Lemons and melons and pears. I prefer peaches and pears. The alliterations is much nicer. See, I should. But then, yeah, I guess you got the lemons, melons rhyme. Right, like full rhyme. Tricky. Yeah. Anyway, why are we drinking these thing? These things, Jimmy? 
Tommy, we're drinking these things because on the 8th of April, 2010, NASA played a song from the musical that we will be talking about as the wake-up call on the International Space Station. That is the ISS, bitches. What show? For the first time, <laughs> I finally feel wicked. That was a bastardization of that quote. <laughs> for, the fir- for the first time, uh, I finally feel... Yeah. Think of that. It's that doesn't not, make logical sense. That's what it says. I've no, memorized for the show. first time. I feel, and it also, oh no, I was gonna say she doesn't say that in the show. She does. What she doesn't do is the weird riffy. Oh, at the start to try and make it a pop song. <laughs> anyway, oh here it is. It's wicked. We're talking about wicked. Play the music. We're talking about wicked. <laughs> It's bad. I mean, do we stop after this? Like, I know. I, 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 where to begin? I, Wicked. Like, I don't know if perhaps they do, but like, the sentence I was about to say are: uh, <laughs> kids who are the age I was when I saw Wicked now don't understand. <laughs> kids, repeat. Kids who. This is why I, basically people don't understand why it's Wicked. Like. Wicked was the Hamilton of its time. Right. And in also, a, like, in a world before Wicked existed. Like, yeah. Ex- ex- well, that's exactly it. And, but also, Wicked is still Wicked. I know. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, there's been no new Wicked. No. No. Nothing has come close. And it's so wildly different from other blockbusters. Well, all right. Wicked. I Music exactly. and lyrics Wicked. by Stephen Schwartz. <laughs> Uh, book by Winnie Holtzman based on a novel by Gregory Maguire opened in 2003 you probably know all this um, on Broadway and had a tryout in San Fran before three Tonys a Grammy still playing after COVID probably very likely you say the rest of it Um, and it also opened up in the West End in 2006 Um, and again still playing will continue to Mm -hmm. you know um, and then also for the past 30 years, there's been talks of a movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> Which but, apparently I'm directing now. 
Yeah, I think you're directing it. I when you drop out, I'll start. Yep. Although I just read a thing today that apparently Steven Spielberg's on it now. Really? Spielberg. Wow. Well. Um but then I've also heard it, it might also be a series. But like don't do a series of the musical. No. Do, do a series the book. Of- yeah. The books. But if it's a book um, and a can of the music in it, yeah. Anyway. What's the point? Because people be like, what is this trash? Like, anyway. Do you do you think I mean I know we ask this question a lot, but do you think there is if you are out there, person who has never listened to Wicked, who listens to our podcast, number oh one, God. I adore you for making it this far into this episode. Um and number two, I'm so excited to tell you about this musical. Yeah, absolutely. Also, well done. Like that is navigating a minefield. Thank you. I think. No, not you. Oh. To the person who's also that. To it before. Yes. But you, well done, you. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those, like, just handing prizes out nowadays to kids. Like, that's, you just fell into that category. <laughs> um, anyway, Tommy, tell me about Wicked. Uh, it's the untold story of the Wicked Witch of the West of Oz fame. Um, so much happened before Dorothy dropped in Oz. Oh, my. I, what, what other marketing slogans from Wicked can you. <laughs> A new musical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Um, Those are the only ones. Something, something, Defying Gravity. Uh, So, you know, the green lady with the pointy hat. How'd she get there? Let's find out. Uh, Turns out it's different than you think. Um, Once upon a time in the mythical land of Oz, you know the one, a, a... See, but this is it's there's so much fantasy shit in this stuff that I there don't is. care about. Um I care so much. Joel Gr- <laughs> Joel Gray had sex with a well-to-do politician uh in uh, uh the politician's wife and the politician <laughs> well deep here took in the green girl um and uh begrudgingly raised her as his own. This girl is Elphaba. Uh, yeah. s- eventually, and you get it. You get it? She's going to be the witch. Do you get it? She's the one. She's the witch. She's green. Also, Glinda's here, but she's Galinda. We'll get to yeah. it. Um, they go to the same school and hate each other and pick on each other. Well, Glinda picks on Elphaba. Um, also, uh, 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 Elphaba's sister, Nessa Rose, who uses a wheelchair, is at this school. Um, and uh, Nessa's more loved. But turns out Elphaba can do magic, which Madame Morrible, one of the professors at the school, takes a liking to. Also at the yeah. school is Dr. Dilliman, a goat who talks, because in this world, some goats talk. But the rumor is some animals are losing their ability to talk. Uh, in the only, the, the long-running joke has been they keep performing songs from Wicked at the Tonys. Eventually, they're going to have to pre- perform something bad. Um which yeah, we'll get there. The most expositional and least catchy tune. Uh, well, arguable. Um, turns out uh, Elphaba and Glinda become friends. Also, Fierro's there. He's sexy and hates school and falls in and out of love with Glinda and Elphaba over the course of the musical. Uh, Glinda and Elphaba go to Emerald City, the Emerald City even, to see the wizard. Uh, also to see a play and a bunch of other things. Uh, people dancing with streamers, but mostly the wizard. Turns out, not a big head, but he's Joel Grey. He tap dances for a second. Also, Joel Grey wants Elphaba to do magic for her she thinks it's for a good reason but it's actually for a bad reason she gives wings to monkeys remember them from the movie um turns out Elphaba's not really cool with this and steals the book the grimery um and flies away on her broom 
Remember that? Uh, that's the end of Act One. They lift her up in a big stage thing, except on days when they don't. And she runs out into the middle of the stage, and everyone gets as low as possible. And you ask for a refund for your ticket. Act Two. <laughs> How am I doing so far? Uh, doing so- I'm loving this. This is a fringe show. Glinda's in charge of the government now. Now Glinda instead of Galinda because she changed her name because Doctor Dillman the goat couldn't pronounce it, and then he disappeared because we're racist against goats now. Also, there was a lion. Um, that was in Act One. Uh, we said it free. Um, then uh, things get complicated. Uh, we kind of live in like a. <laughs> weird fascist state where we're trying to oppress the animals who can talk so that the wizard can stay in power which they really don't delve into like how that's gonna work very well in the pl- in the musical but you just kind of accept it um F- fiero is getting married to glinda or is married to her um engaged uh, engaged that's it that's what it is um but then uh Elphaba, there's a bunch of rumors about her because she's gonna be a witch now uh then she sneaks into nessa rose's wardrobe to give her shoes that make her what walk remember those can't call them ruby slippers because otherwise mgm will sue you um they also they were mentioned briefly in act one for some reason uh but this is the time when uh, they make her walk for a little bit but then uh bach a character i neglected to mention at the beginning because of how minimally important he is portrayed to be of course the course of the show, uh, decides he's going to abandon Nessaros because she doesn't need his help anymore, uh, and she tries to do magic, but actually just accidentally destroys his heart, and in an effort to save her, uh, Elphaba turns uh, him into the Tin Man, and that's one of the many moments where are like, oh, I recognize that in the show. Um, then a house falls on Nessaros later, um, but you know that part, um, and for an inexplicable reason, Glinda gives Elphaba's dead sister's shoes to the little girl who arrived in the house that a, that a cyclone brought, which we're pretty sure Madame Morabola uh, made happen because, you know, political espionage. I guess uh, most espionage is political. Um, then Fierro gets turned into the Scarecrow because we got to take care of that one. Uh, we go see the wizard again. He does a tap dance, but he's still bad. And Dr. Dillman can't talk anymore. Um, uh, Elphaba t- turns uh, Fiero into the Scarecrow in an effort to save him. Um, then the play ends. <laughs> keep going, just keep going. It's all good. It's all there's good. a, there's a, there's a, 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 a confrontation. We we don't all have the luxury of traveling by bubble. No, that was earlier. Um, that was way earlier. Yeah, yeah but it's so Fiero's beautiful. Died twice. Nice to this, yeah. to this point. Yep. Um, but everyone's going to go kill the witch because that's how it works. Yeah. Um, it turns out uh, the little uh, girl... you the bit that's literally the Wizard of Oz, so I don't know why you're struggling. Well, but 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 what part is propaganda put in by the fascist Ozian state? Um, True. Dorothy throws a bucket at, uh, at Elphaba and she melts, but she doesn't. And then we once again resume at what was the beginning of the play where we see how difficult... Kristen Chenoweth's life has been. I mean, well done. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. It has a complicated plot for a very viral show. Right, yeah. I mean, complicated or just deep. But like, the plot of this is why they describe it as the untold story of the wicked witch of the west right mm-hmm. the the you know the plot of chicago is uh, a a woman kills someone and tries to get out of it mm. right like 
What's, yeah, okay, I see. What's the, yeah, it's a, the single but sentence? Then, but, you know, the plot of Les Mis. Yeah. Is the French Revolution. Yeah, but there's a lot, you know. Right. You would spend an equal amount of time describing the plot of Les Mis. Fair, fair. Both, honestly, based on very epic, episodic novels. Very, uh, yeah, exactly. Very dense, dense works. Yeah. Um, I think that was very good. You only made a couple of mistakes. That's okay. It's been a couple uh, decades since I've seen this show. Exactly. Um, I think that's, yeah, well, I'm very proud of you. What, what mistake stood out the most to you? <laughs> um, the, well, Bach was e- effectively um, enslaved. Fair, yes. Uh and she was, uh, yeah, basically enslaved the Munchkins, and that's yes. why she's the wicked witch. Yes, of she the was. East. She was. Nessaros turns into a bad person. Yes. Um. Uh, kind of because she's in a wheelchair. Awkward. We'll discuss. Yeah. Then we'll talk. Um, yeah. 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 What else? Oh, um, the wizard is uh, Elphaba's dad. I said that. Joel Gray. Did you Gray, see that, you see that right Gray, at the start? Yeah, Joel Gray had sex with someone, and then. Well, you didn't say it in order. Well, no, but it starts at the you beginning. You only find That's... out right. You only find out right at the end. It's Joel Gray singing at the beginning. If you don't, if you can't figure that out right at the beginning. Well, you know, <laughs> his face isn't seen, so therefore it could be anyone. It could be doubling. Um, that is not. I will say, and this is a uh, uh, may. Uh, uh, I don't know. This is the thing. This is one of the first shows where I religiously listened to the cast album before seeing it and then saw it. Like right. This, this, I saw this show my senior year of high school. This is right at the beginning. Like, this is one of the first professional musicals I, like, saw intentionally that yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. just, you know, a thing to go <clears throat> see, but, like, one that... You were a fan. I knew about, I had listened to. And so, like, it was one of the first shows I went into being well aware of a lot of the stuff around it. Yeah. And also then not having the wherewithal to like unpack that, um, to like you, you know, Tommy, you experienced the story backwards. So remember that you'd experience this in the wrong direction of consumption. Okay. I get you. Yeah, um, yeah. which perhaps informs I, you know, I, it's, Joel Gray's listed. It sounds like Joel Gray. That's gotta be the wizard, which is not revealed on the cast album at all, but was uh-huh. not a huge twist in seeing the show, whereas there were plenty of other huge twists in seeing the show that I was unaware of, which perhaps will speak yeah. to the cleverness of the cast album at some point as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, well, I say no time like the present. Let's crack open that book, shall we? When I meet the wizard Once I prove my worth And then I meet the wizard What I've waited for since since birth and with all his wizard wisdom by my looks he won't be blinded do you think the wizard is dumb or like munchkin so small-minded no he'll say to me i see who you truly are a girl on whom i can rely and that's how we'll be the wizard and Books don't make noise like that. Mine does. That's like in movies whenever the like power goes out and the sound goes. <laughs> never. It's like everything runs on the biggest generator right. ever. Like that's not when the power. Next time the power goes out, listen. Very little will happen. Yes. What It'll you'll be... just hear is nothing because the power has <laughs> gone out. Anyway. Um, okay. 
So I think a very good place to start is the origin yes. of the origin story. The book. Um, You've read the novel, <clears throat> yes? I've read all four. There, are, I um, thought there were only three. Holy cow. No, there's four. So we've got Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West. We've got Son of a Witch. We've got A Lion Among Men. And then finally, we've got Out of Oz. Um, How... Starring, of all people, uh-huh. Elphaba's granddaughter. Oh my God. Anyway, how, the, how many the, came out before the musical? Dos. Okay. No, that's not true. Just one. Just one. Do you think? Yeah, just one. Do you think? Gut feeling. Do you think the other three would have come out had the musical not been successful? No. Yeah. Uh, no. Wait. Do I think they would have come out? Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Maybe not all four. Okay. But there would have but... been more. Yeah, def- just because that's great. Like Gregory Maguire's thing yeah. is like the story behind the story. Sure. Like he he does all Doesn't pretty much a, well, a all the books. Sisters one. There's yeah, Stepsisters Mirror Mirror as well, which I think was made into a film. Okay. Um, he did that. He does one about fairies. Um, like yeah, that's just that is just his thing, and he does it really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing in those books that feels. Like it's been written in response to the mu- like. There's no fan service. Sure, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, qu- quite the opposite. Yeah, because uh, the the books are wildly different. I mean, I I read a summary of the first different. one, and can I tell you some of the things I was surprised about? Tell me. Elphaba's a child of rape. Nessaros doesn't yes. have arms. There's a yes. big sex orgy club. Um, Good damn right there is with a tiger. <laughs> But it's a tiger with a capital T, so it's fine. So, talking tiger. Tony the tiger. Yes, yes. You can have sex with Tony the tiger, is what you're telling me. Exactly, exactly. Um, get, guess what? He's great. Oh, That was well really done. funny to me. That was so that was funny, I couldn't so even do good. the voice for it. You didn't think that was funny? Okay. Well, Tommy, it's one of those. Any <laughs> Anytime someone says Tony the tiger, pretty much they follow with, he's, he's great. Have you heard, one of these days, I will tell you the untold internet story of how Tony the Tiger had to delete his Twitter. Fascinating. Save that for our last call. Yes, excellent. And then we can talk about the advert. Perfect. Do you know that? No. What? It's going to taste great. It's going to taste great. I can hear. Never heard this. Fantastic. I'm I'm going to make a note of that. Tony the Tiger at the very bottom of our Google Doc. Thank you very much. Even if we record it now, we can paste it into a future last call. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's some great content. Anyway, um, yeah, they're very different. Very, very different beasts. Fiero's not cool. Um... Well, he's, he's cool, but he's not like, hey, he's not John Hughes cool. Sure. Right. He's like a prince. Yeah. You know, of the, the Winkies or the Vinkus. Um, so there's that, you know. The thing is, right, the the books, the Gregory Maguire books, lend themselves much more to the original L. Frank Baum Oz mm. world. Yes. Um, and they feel like they fit much more into that than the musical does. Yeah. Um, but there is... Basically, like, in obviously, there's been so much written about this, and Stephen Schwartz has talked about it to no end. Um, but I think the decision that they made with adapting the the novel mm-hmm. um, was to make it just more 
accessible. Yeah. Which um, and to I have seen comparisons that that also tracks in the original novels to the MGM movie. That if you take the original L. Frank Baum novels, oh, I see, and yeah. compare well, them yeah, to the MGM I mean, movie, the, there's a lot of simplification that happens for sake of the movie, and you know, and like the original novels are a children's book slash maybe well, a political allegory. Um, that's the thing is it is they're they're really tricky because there's actually there's complex world building, mm-hmm. right? But also really simple storytelling. Yeah, um, and that I always find really tricky. Yeah. Because you're like, how? What's feeding what here? You know, right? Um, yeah, there's. I mean, lots of people talk about it, whether it's a political allegory or not, and no one will ever know because Elfram have never spoke on it, right? Um, but there's no doubts on this earth that Gregor Maguire's books are extremely political and are mostly about politics, right? <laughs> um, like, um, and the kind of various different guises that politics take, like whether it is literally looking at political structures, mm-hmm. whether it's looking at war, mm-hmm. whether it's looking at, um, at sociopolitics. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's all contained in these four books. Um, and it, to be honest, I think it's really, really well yeah. written. Because um, that classic thing of having fantasy and using fantasy as a backdrop to illustrate something that right for commentary because i i don't read political novels it's not my favorite thing at all i find it quite dry yeah Yeah. but when you set it against a backdrop of fantasy and you know if your ambassador is a lion right then i'm like i'm here i'm into this this is cool sure um but the musical is substantially less political although i i mean i would still wager still very political it was yeah the themes are still there for sure and like it was interesting going back in like this is you know a a, uh i i would i would wager a very early post 9-11 musical in american culture um there's a lot of talk about like uh 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 manufacturing a narrative to create an implied force of terror in the mm-hmm. world for political gain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's lots of, I mean, like, uh, I've, I've read about lots of comparisons between The Wizard in Wicked and the books I'm talking about, the, the Wicked universe here, compared to George W. Bush as yeah. being someone who's much more of just kind of a manipulator and an orator mm-hmm. um, and who, yeah, has an agenda and wants to drive that forward. Right. Um, so that is looking at, you know, George W. Bush or Tony Blair, like right. the, the two kind of big powerhouse people there at that time doing yeah. very much that thing. Um, and yeah, like the the musical definitely has political elements, right. um, but it's not as much at the heart of the book sure. uh, as the art in the novels, yeah. where like that, that is actually kind of the main story. Yeah. Um, that you're telling and it's um Elphaba's part right in all of that and how she influences yeah all of that few um f- fewer love songs more uh risk board games yeah get, genuinely i mean like honestly like the the second and third book feel like risk yeah like there's so much d- just deep 
political stuff that even when I was young, I was like, I don't fully understand this. Sure, yeah. Because it was, you know, allegories that wasn't attached to something that I was really aware of. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really recommend reading the books because they're really smart. Yeah. They're not for kids. Yeah. No, sir. Um, I wouldn't even say they're young adult. Like, I, they just feel like, like good old novels. Fully for adult um, novels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think the the comparisons between the two it's like the world has been created yeah and to me it just kind of feels like it stops they they feel like such different beasts sure. to me um and i don't think in any way one is worse than the other or yeah. you know the musical lacks because it doesn't go as deep politically yeah i absolutely don't think so i actually think the storytelling in the musical Mm-hmm. is really good and i think they were really smart to focus on a relationship yes between glinda and Elphaba. yeah yeah um because that's what audiences relate to that's what they want to see in a musical do you think i i am struggling to find such a similar a, another example of like a quote-unquote adaptation that is so that is so wildly different from its initial uh, source material mm. where th- that change is not met with an overwhelming amount of negativity. Um, you know, I didn't find... When it's been so beloved. Yeah. Do you mean like the original source yeah. material is so like, beloved? Yeah. You, you can, you know, any Lord of the Rings musical anyone's ever attempted has been met with a thousand critiques, you know, yeah. talk about all the different, whether it's the Percy Jackson musical, which was generally well received, but people still have comments about like, oh, this is like the book. This isn't like the book. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Or like the movie for sure. People were pissed about. Um, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's the people who love the book aren't, denigrating the musical right for what it is yeah yeah i i would yeah i think you're right about that like yeah yeah i yeah okay i would totally give you but isn't that fascinating like in our like game of thrones style world where you know harry potter any book to other adaptation where the where so much of the discourse is based on how things are different and people don't talk about how uh uh wicked the musical is different from the book people don't care (laughs) They don't care. Well, I think there's a few reasons to that. I think one of them is because the books were explosively popular. Sure. Right? Um, and I actually think they've gotten so much popular since yeah. the musical. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's to do when to do with the time when this was released. Yeah? What do you mean? Uh, um, we'll talk about it later right. when we talk about fan culture. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think that might have something to do with why there's not as much like uh there's yeah no comic book nerd who's like oh in the book where's the sex orgy song (laughs) right exactly but i do think i think it's actually an interesting discussion as to um if it was written now yeah in the kind of musical theater landscape sure that we know and love today which i would say is getting a bit more grown up and a bit more you know, this, some of the stories that we've been seeing deal with harder hitting things. Sure. So if Schwartzy um, and Winnie Holtzman were writing this now, would they bring in more of the politics? Would they make 
the, you know, would they drive that story about the animals being outcast a bit more? Would they look into, I, I guess, the like the slavery of the Munchkin people? Yeah, that's because uh, even in the books that isn't hugely mm-hmm. dealt with until the second book. Um, so, but maybe they wouldn't. But like the the animals, yeah. like that is kind of core, and it's really core to Elphaba's character. Yeah. Um, so could they have gone in a bit more on that? Yeah. Um, I honestly, I don't think they would in today's culture because the thing, the reason Wicked is popular, I would mm. wager, and I think we'll talk more in this about fan culture, but people like going into Wicked is a, makes audience members feel smart because they can spot the it's like a spot the differences painting. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And those spot the differences have nothing to do with the novel's deep allegorical exploration of, you know, fascist politics. Uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. They have to do with like, oh, he's the scarecrow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. you don't need to do a lot to get to, oh, he's the scarecrow. Well, I actually, you do need to do a lot to get to, oh, he's the scarecrow. Um Oh, he's the Tin Man. Oh, that's the Lion. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't think I don't think the Broadway going audience of even 2020 would want this show to be a deep political allegory. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. I think they want to spot the differences painting. Not that that's a bad thing. I don't mean to minimize it. Um, No, not at all. And it is really fun. And I think that's why Gregor Maguire has written the books that he's written. Yeah. Because it's a really, it's like, it feels to me like that kind of satisfying, Mm -hmm. um, like middle school drama. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, I'm going to tell the other side. Like, right. And then like, oh yeah. Like it it is, there's something so satisfying about taking a look from a different perspective. Um, and so, yeah, I think that regardless, that would always need to be there. Um, but I just wonder, because I would say, like, Wicked is very much, and we'll go on to talk about the content very, very shortly, but um, it is very commercial and it is yes. very poppy. Yes. Um, and I just wonder, because the thing is, is, like, we know through Pippin, yeah. and I guess in some ways getting Godspell, like, Stephen Schwartz can write dark and he can yeah. write, cutting yeah um so we know he can go there and i don't know like it wouldn't it be interesting to see like wicked with more of a pippin tone sure that was more you know just that, that just shades darker yeah. just wasn't afraid to yeah i mean paint I, strokes. I think and we're gonna dive into the content in seconds i imagine but yeah it is weird that the show has played for so long this is kind of a new broadway we're experiencing you know it, it is why i am bizarrely excited for the beauty and the beast revival because Mm. i'm curious about what a second go is gonna do and Mm. you know what wicked is 17 years old now did i do that math right yeah Um, yeah, yeah. and it's still the same right every production of wicked is still the original production you can yeah. do amateur performances in like Australia, I think, and that's about it. Um, I think it is just Australia, yeah. And so we haven't had a second go at Wicked. And I'd be so curious, someone not constrained by the original production team, mm. what they do. If you could yeah. do a new set for Wicked, what would you do? Yeah. Well, let's talk about 
what they did do is that a segue that kind of a segue see this is why i say let's get on my segue because it's just like multi-purpose and it doesn't matter you just say it yeah yeah i know but also i like to try and make really good content see, so that's where we differ and i have a hundred jokes <laughs> and i just check them off every month and a hundred yeah. please okay 50 50 that's fair that's fair. <laughs> that's fair also in a very meta way one of my 50 jokes is i only have x number of jokes which it just exactly. seems like cheating so at that point yeah in some ways you know <laughs> For Galinda forced to resign Someone so disgusted can't fight We just want to tell you We're all on your side We share your emotions It's a feeling It's a Because you just talked about the set. Yeah. The show is spectacular. It's gorgeous. It's so, like, as a as a, a baby tech theater kid, going to see the Chicago sit-down production of Wicked, my God, my jaw hit the uh, um, yeah. And that's part of it, which is so... It's been interesting going back. Now, you know, what I know now. Um, mm-hmm. So much of it is... Uh, I don't know. From a certain lens, is shitty uh, setting creation. Um, like from take the you know first quarter of the show from the wizard and I straight into loathing the beginning of loathing, just kind of happen in limbo. There's no like they they bring the like big gear columns on, but we're not like. And then eventually the school kids come back in. But, like, all we have is, like, I'm writing a letter. Dearest Darling is Momsy and Popsy. I'm downstage right, and Glinda's downstage right. left. Blonde. Dun, dun, dun. Now I'll walk towards you. Now you walk towards me. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, I don't know. It, whereas a lot, many other shows are, especially the era, are very, like, this one, this scene takes place here. And this scene yeah. takes place there. Whereas, like, one short day takes place in the Emerald City. Is there a big Emerald City? There's a bunch of people there, and we'll move the gear columns around a bit so it looks a little different. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, Dr. Dilliman's classroom is two benches. Their bedroom is two beds. Like, yep. it is interesting that it can be as spectacular as it is while being kind of generic. And, and yeah. like, this is a thing I, I am aware of just because I've been in this discourse, but, like, the set is so inspired from portions of the novel that have not made it into the book of the musical. 
Exactly. That's like, exactly what I was just going to talk about. It's my favorite thing. Um, like yeah, the whole like dragon, which isn't... So the, yeah, the clock of the time dragon is like this huge, important, significant thing in all of the books. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's kind of like akin to... It, like it feels like Watchmen in it, it, like sure. the kind of prophetic manner that it is. Basically, there's this dwarf and a little troop of... Uh, I don't know. I, I can't remember if they have a name or not. I don't even think they do. Yeah. Just like weird mystical people um, who run around with this um, dragon mm. uh, who sits on this kind of like puppet theater. Um, and they put on these shows that basically kind of tell you the future. Okay. But also it's a bit like, um, like Galadriel's that, font. Yeah. In that prophetic you know way I mean? where you don't like exactly who actually knows what's going on yeah um and they're always like extremely dark but it's painted as this uh like kids you know fun kids thing right. um and uh yeah what is amazing is that's what the show is like the that whole is... set the gears the lighting design like there are gear gobos in this thing yeah and because it was like before i saw it yeah um because of the time period that we were living in i didn't i'd never actually seen the set yeah. So I didn't know that fact, and having read the books, and went in and saw, I was like, "Ah, this is so cool!" Because it was like, "Oh my god!" You know that way I was. I went in with such confidence that they were going to get this right, right? Because that's such an intrinsic part of the books. Yeah. That then, it made it on stage. I was like, "They know what they're doing." Yeah. And it just made so much sense. So for me, I knew straight away going in that this was a puppet show. Yeah. Sure. And the- so I wasn't missing set right. pieces and right what yeah. have you interesting because it is such you know the 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 start of wicked from like fading the house lights is such a fascinating progression to me because you start with the overture which uh-huh. is one of the few overtures in recent years that i can think of that is entirely staged yes like and it's also a pretty short overture i would wager um but like the puppet marionette moves and it's kind of piloted by the flying monkeys who may or may not be flying monkeys yet. And you don't really know. And then there's yeah. a big map of Oz and that raises up. And then there's the big hat. It's the big old fucking hat. And I, I was uh, rewatching um, some bits of this earlier and I'd forgotten about the hat. Like, why is there a giant incorporeal witch's hat at the top of this thing? I will wager, like, from from the scholarly perspective, your puppet theater perspective is very helpful. And the whole thing is framed as, like, Glinda's telling us this story. Like, there's a, a, a whole overarching framing device. In a more uh, pessimistic, but I also think <laughs> realistic perspective, part of the success of this show, which I alluded to earlier, is, like, it's the witch, you get it? It's the green girl, you get it? It's Margaret Hamilton from The Thing, and you know it, and it's her, but it's different, right? And it's the spot, the difference painting. And because of the structure, it def- I, can, I can picture the conversation that happened. There was a draft where the big hat wasn't there. You know, they raised the map. All the Aussians came out and said, good news, she's dead. Glinda arrived by bubble. We talked about all that. Ba-da-da-da-ding. Oh, hallowed halls, shiz. And we're already like 12 minutes in before we even see this green person named Elphaba, 
right? Yes. And even then, we're still 20 minutes in until we see the hat, and still 25 minutes in, or an hour in until we see the broom. It's the cloak. Right? And you don't get until that point that, oh my God, she's the witch. And so much of it doesn't land if you don't know that. And so they're like, okay, what if we got a big hat? And at the very beginning, they all dance around with the big hat. Um, Very first thing you see, big old hat. Uh You know, second thing you see, silhouette of big old hat behind the clock, right? Get it? It's the witch. Do you get it? It's the witch. We need you to know it's the witch. Otherwise, none of it works. It's such a fascinating... You know, I, I, I think a lot in tech theater about, like, how you onboard someone onto your musical um, mm-hmm. or onto your show, whatever it is, and how, like, that starts the moment they start thinking about your show. That starts mm-hmm. with the first poster they see or how they hear about it or, like, all of these things are actually a part of your performance, whether you want them to be or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the thing that uh, Great Comet did well with their bizarre hallway on into this uh luscious right. russian stage um fantastic set design and you know the same with wicked there was some thought put into like sure we're telling the story but we need to help our audience understand our story uh-huh. in this really specific way as quickly easily and effortlessly as possible to yeah. the point where i forgot about the big hat you know right exactly and that's the thing is you do like it's not and it's because that opening is so such an assault to the senses yeah do you know what i mean like the dragon is moving and spouting out fire also Mm -hmm. it's a dragon since when was that in the wizard of Oz? there are people doing acrobatics outside the cross arch yeah um stuff spinning gobos aplenty the lighting is incredible and then suddenly there's this hat and then we're in oz do you know what i mean like it is that proper like wow what's going on what's going on and then you're in it um and yeah i the thing is i actually don't think it's bad like it's normally the kind of thing where i'd be like yeah normally i would think what a what a stupid decision but like it is it is so it is (laughs) (laughs) i I want to describe it it's it is such an effective stupid decision (laughs) yeah uh, i think i think you're right like it it's it's almost so easy yeah we'll just just get of course we'll just what's the most iconic thing it's the hat a big old hat. Can we get yeah, a big exactly. old hat? And they can dance around with the hat and that'll fix it. Done. Yep. Easy. Yep. Like the only thing I could think that they could make it to make it as something a bit more cohesive would be to have other big set pieces like a big sure. broom yeah. and a big house. I do like your... Like, I, do like, I, w- I would love to see the revival that leans more into make the whole thing more of a puppet show. show. Yeah. Uh-huh. That would be that would be fun. That would be a fun yeah. choice. That would be like when the when the Amdram rights finally come out when I'm in my seventies. That might be my be initial way into the set. Totally. Like it's just it's it's such a striking piece of imagery in the books. I think it's actually how the books start. Mm-hmm. Um and it's really affecting. It like there's something about just sure the way it's written and i mean that's the case with the books in general like they are very affecting books he's quite a graphic writer um and i just really liked that that's how they started the whole show was with this kind of homage to the books and it's like that's good you're not yeah you're not running away from it you're not like yes of course the books and then i'm gonna do my own thing yeah they're keeping that in mind um and it it, it works works. really well i mean the the whole production is so (laughs) People talk about the big Ugh. things like, you know, you uh, she flies at the end of Act One. It's great, right? right. And people have talked. But like Nessa's wheelchair that wheels on uh-huh. its own the whole time. And even just the way 
every time there's some kind of musical transition, they're using bits of the set to accentuate that. Everything's on, uh, you know, uh, uh, hook and knife in the floor and being yep. pulled automatically. Even if it's just a bench or a bed or, a, uh, you know, the very few props are just like pushed on in this thing. Yep. And a lot of that has become part and parcel in the contemporary Broadway scene. Um, you know, all of the waitress set moves on its own, but the waitress right, set uh, doesn't need to move on its own. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They made a design choice that has now become the standard in the set design of this thing that like, yeah. for the most part, People don't move the things. The things just move. And the things yeah. move as part of the story. There's not uh-huh. like a blackout and we shift and we come back. Like everything happens a vista, which is like, oh, 17 yeah. year old me. Like, that's it. But even like when it comes to like their actual kind of set pieces, yeah. for example, like with um, the as long as your mind scene, when they bring mm-hmm. down the vines, sure. or when they go to um, Munchkinland and they bring up the houses yeah. and they come in and, and then they change the goal but like it all it, it does have that kind of good puppet show yeah vibe that everything is running on this kind of clockwork yeah um, and i think that's really c- cool like i think i think it, it yeah it is like you say it's just so exciting it's so ex- it's clever it's exciting and it's neat to have it's it's an unexplained framing device which i can't find an, another off the cuff example of you know we if if you're just seeing the show no one ever tells you why the front of the stage is a gear right right yeah you, you, you don't but he, but that's a that can be okay you know exactly exactly because you, you don't question it yeah i don't think i've ever had anyone be like but what the fuck was a dragon doing there right like do you know what i mean you're just like okay yeah, and <laughs> like it's something about it where you just kind of get it's it. It's freaking cool, like man, it's so cool. Yeah, ah, oh, and it's cool. It's cool in this. I, then we can move on from this set and yeah, stop yeah. gushing about it. But like, where the chandelier is a gimmick, right? The chandelier right. is certainly informed by the story, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, oh, you know, oh, and then the chandelier fell. No one leaves Wicked talking about the dragon. The dragon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because there is so much else right. going on. Um, and the whole yeah. show is like that. The whole show is exactly. Like, that's the thing is, I actually think the whole show is a bit of an assault, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Like, because um, I remember the first time I saw it, like, see, I, was it Define Gravity? No, I think it was No Good Deed. I think No Good Deed has always been my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um and I was curled up in like mm-hmm. a little ball like yeah. this, just sobbing. Yeah. Right. But it wasn't the kind of like, I'm so sad. It was just like, I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, because at that point as well, you've just had the big fight. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just run off. Fear has been grabbed away. And like, again, that stuff isn't in the cast recording. Right. right? That the, the fight scene between Glinda and Elphaba isn't in the cast recording. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and then obviously, no good deed is yeah. fascinating because it's like the biggest amount of smoke in any stage ever, um, yeah. and just a trapdoor and lights. She's just a bit. And that's that's it. It. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like yeah. Oh, bye. And well, then that song. Oh, you know is what like I mean? It's like a, yeah, so moving. Can we talk about the cleverness of the cast recording? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because like this show was built to be commercial from day one. You know, yep. it's it's the reason and the cast recording was made very quickly. Yeah, you know, what I mean, like and there like, was no question. Adina Menzel is in it because of marketing. Like there are a yeah. lot of choices made about this show. Absolutely, because she wasn't the first. She was it not was Stephanie. Yeah, and mm, um, we'll get to that. Uh, were you about to say that Stephanie's not as good or Stephanie's better? I was gonna say Stephanie's better. Duh. Oh my gosh, she's so much better. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway. It doesn't matter. Uh, Go but on. like. Right. <laughs> right the the cleverness of the cast recording of being a tool for marketing to give you like cast recordings uh, have gone through such a we should talk oh, to God. Robbie at some point but such a, yeah. a, a, a roller coaster of existence right previously constrained by uh, physicality limits your records only yeah. so long you only got so many songs done that's what you get to a point of being like a, a almost a historical record of the show as it existed and something you buy after you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're never going to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, Wicked does this thing where like, hey, buy the CD and then maybe come see our show and it'll be fun. And yeah. very specifically omits important, interesting details on the cast recording in a way that I don't know if any other musical has done since. Like oh, you get since uh, since yes, but previously. Previously absolutely not. I'm unsure. Like that's the thing is I can't think of that makes such a specific like we're going to leave you some surprises. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Um because like like Hamilton for example um have the uh not Philip the other Anthony Ramos one. Um, yeah. His death. Yes. Is, um, is and the hidden. Theodore's reprise. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that. And then and um, then you do end up with things like Dirty Rotten Scoundrel where it's like, hello, John Lithgow here. The next three tracks contain major spoilers for the story. It's right. Dirty Rotten yeah, Scoundrel, yeah, yeah. right? Like, um, so there is, like, there, there definitely is it. But um, I think, yeah, excluding, like, Wicked Witch of the East yeah. as a, a number, um, which, I mean, it's one of those things, like, it probably wouldn't work because it's not a number. No, it's so it's so story centric. Like it doesn't track <clears throat> in the way that like you you know you kind of need something bad on the album for the plot to make sense. But it's right. not you know it's not going to hit your year recap on Spotify. Okay, no, but let's talk about something bad. I actually really like. It. <laughs> <laughs> I also like it. I just enjoy the meme of it being such a. Right. Bizarre song. I mean, I don't know why something bad gets the rip when Sentimental Man is on uh, the cash recording. Can like, we talk I about... am a sentimental man. That's all I've heard of that song in can the past we... seven uh... years. Like, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to that song. Can we I ju- couldn't tell you. So, one, Sentimental Man used to be in my audition book, which is a poor choice. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Um, if you came into an audition with that, I would have asked for a Can different you imagine? song. And I'm not even kidding. Even uh, in a fucking amateur oh, audition, I would oh, be like, I know, I'm not I listening know. to it. Um, but number two, just so <laughs> we can... And then see if you pulled out fucking Abernathy uh-huh. from uh, Guys and Dolls is like your next one. I would have <laughs> asked you to leave. I was just like, You need to leave now. And go. Um, but number two, I want to mention it so we can put it in the show notes. Uh, okay. There's a... Uh, comedy improv not improv scripted comedy performance of a song called the song that no one likes yes um, exactly and is is mostly about a sentimental man exactly it's, 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 it's a sentimental man and the more i could have loved you whatever it's called from guys like it is yeah. is that like, and that one from waitress like 
it's it such, such a, a and it was it one of those revelations of like I didn't realize this was a trope <laughs> that's been in front of me for so long. Like exactly. leading lady, leading lady. I have this pocket watch that I mentioned so briefly <laughs> in the first scene. I want you to have it. It's not important or anything. I just am sick of carrying it around. Uh, honestly, and it's like yeah, the older actor who they've got in for clout because he's a, a you know well-renowned older actor coming that's in and why we'll sing this five people number. applauded so loudly when i made my first entrance exactly <laughs> it's so oh it's delightful pause on. the podcast go look it up in the show notes yeah, right now you will adore this performance it's dead on and i hate all of those songs yeah um, it's such yes. a shame because joel gray is is such a delightful choice for the the wizard he is yes at, and they wrote songs that are songs written for joel gray like yes absolutely and they're, and they're just i mean like boring wonderful's nice enough i still don't often listen to that but i will never listen to sentimental man that's fair ever Wonder- um, you could cut both of them and the show would be the same right exactly but this is why I don't understand why something bad gets this. Because there's some really nice harmony. <laughs> yeah. My, honestly, my least favorite song um, is As Long As You're Mine. Um, <gasps> I know. Why? I know. It goes, t- I, and I struggle explaining it, and I get that reaction every time I say this. Um, is it and just I don't, one of those things? I don't not like it. I just like it the least. I think part of it is it goes a little too like hard for me. Sentimental man. Yeah, it just feels it feels like a like I've like someone's dumped a romance novel on top of me. Oh, they have it. It's so delicious. <laughs> you obviously just didn't have like enough unrequited love in your youth. That's pr- because it's... that that song. Yeah, oh, it's perfect for the age that is aimed at. That's that's for, yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know what I mean? It yeah. is like it's so sexy and yeah. like. No, you're right. And, and like, man, you know, young gay Tommy crushing on straight boys in my class, like that should have been right up my alley. I don't know, Do man. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's literally forbidden love. It's yeah. a song of forbidden love in a sexy location with some hanging vines. I mean, like, it, it is a swamp. I don't know if I would describe that as a sexy location. It's sexy. There's haze. A sexy swamp. That's sexy. <laughs> And also, but also, uh-huh. um, they have a really raw sexual relationship in the books as well. So having that context going at like... Is a nice... It, yeah. You buy it. Yeah. Um, I can't believe it. I'm so sad about that. I know. I, to change song. To change the subject, we mentioned briefly, like, Stephanie J. Block is a better alphabet than um, right. Adina Menzel. So but the- <laughs> I want uh-huh. to say this from the beginning because this frustrates me. Oh. I do not want to get drawn into better alphabet no. discourse. Oh, I wanted to have that conversation. <sighs> I hate this, Jimmy. I, and, and I mean this so sincerely and so truly. <clears throat> I don't care in the way that other people care. Yes. Well, Be- you should. Because <laughs> the thing, like, what is a differentiator for you between who is a better and a worse alphabet? Like, if you pick, so, what's number one on the list? As in, what is my best alphabet, or what is like, what am I looking for? If you had a matrix of like alphabets on the left and moments you were going to talk about on the top, I'm looking for. So for me, first and foremost, is acting. Okay, sure. Right, and performance, particularly um, your uh, wizard and I and your no good deed. 
actually don't really care about your defined gravity. Okay. So I'm but more I on need to I'm see more your transition. On, I'm more on board now because right. but this is the problem. Uh, so much of this discourse is like confined to bring me down. Right? And yes. fuck that, who cares? Exactly, exactly. Um no, but that's that's the thing, is like that's your entry level standing, right? As you know, Elf of a fan accounts, uh we we know our riffs. We know our <laughs> And I like it does it does come into it because like the thing is is and I actually think it's kind of fair because um vocally it's such it's such a gauntlet. Sure. Like, it is such a difficult piece. Yeah. Um that when you hear women singing it well yeah. and sometimes, you know, stonkingly well yeah um you i don't know you do get that kind of like oh my god like it's it's like watching a good i don't know people watch um who likes people who like sports watch <laughs> kicks do you know what i mean like good sure. kicks right in things or touchdowns yeah who they watch kick? those or bats um, but that's oh man also there's a i think billy eichner hosts a, a piece i don't know what late night talk show it was on but it's where people tailgate wicked it's very funny you should we'll find it we'll put it in the show notes they oh all paint God. them so they paint their bellies green and they're like yeah wicked i love that i've just been watching loads of billy in the street in the past couple of days yeah, That's i think funny. it's him um, i'll double check um but so, yes i get but, it and i don't like i don't care Ah, but you should care because it's fascinating. Like it's well, maybe it's not fascinating. I don't know what. I don't know why. I don't know why I, I do it. But I am one of those. Like I have my top ten. Yeah. And I know the specific performances where they did this riff and they nailed it. Sure. Um, like I know. I have never made the videos myself. Um, See, but and, I've certainly and consumed I think, them. I think this is the self-revelation I'm having about myself as someone who's made my most popular videos. Are like, who's the best? Mrs. Who's the Lovett, best? Right? Uh, yeah. And like, I'm learning about myself. I don't like. You don't care. Well, my discuss. No. The word "best" is the wrong word for me yeah, exactly. in those discussions. I'm yeah. talking about who is supporting the content of the show most successfully, which people who are comparing Elphaba's because, you know, apples to apples, every performance of Wicked is about the same. It's about the (laughs) same. It's not, right. What I'll do, right, is I'll put in the show notes like three really good contrasting Elfies right like really good and you'll hear you'll, you can hear the difference a, in the storytelling a tasting like, of elfies if you will a flight absolutely. of elfies a flight yeah, exactly. <laughs> like alexi academy has like notes of um, <laughs> wood but you know eden espinoza has much more mossy undertones i don't know it's we gotta cancel the podcast now it's the funniest thing i've ever thought of right <laughs> that it totally works um no, but you can hear you can hear the choice, and this is but this is a good thing because you can hear these women who are uh-huh. actors acting like, and when it comes to musical theater, yeah, that's what we want. We want to be able to hear the acting because yeah. when you can't see it, yeah, that's all you got. Um, and when you can, and like, yeah, so I do have my favorite, and I think the best is Eden Espinosa. See, and so, but this is me, and this is me 
perhaps, and if this made it to last call, this won't make any sense, but trying to get around the task in Taskmaster. Um, right. My absolute favorite Elphaba uh-huh. is Anagastire, but not uh-huh. in Wicked. Anagastire, you can find it on Playbill's YouTube channel. Anagastire performs Defying Gravity from the PBS series The Kate. And she does like a down tempo oh. ballad version of Defying Gravity that is the most beautiful interpretation of the song I have ever seen. And does it would not make sense in the context of the show. Of the show, uh huh. And it's my favorite I, performance. I must say though, Anna Gastar is an incredible she's alphabet. <laughs> also, I'm I have no doubt. I adore Anna Gastar and um, everything she's I in. also I also do it with Glinda's as well. My favorite's Kendra Casabon, but you know, that's neither here nor there. How do you it, feel what, what you'd like uh-huh. so with Glinda it's a bit it's a bit more superficial. Sure. Sorry, give me my moment to fucking fangirl, okay? Give me fine. my moment. Yeah, no, you absolutely, yes. Right? So um with Glinda the one you have to look for is, mm. and thank goodness, uh-huh. when they take it up to the G. But it's really impressive. Yeah. Like, it's just really impressive. You know? But, yeah. Like, and, get, come and, on. And to your metaphor thank before, goodness, this is done. why I don't care about sports. <laughs> right. Fair. But this is where I can, you know, this is where yeah, I can sure. sympathize. No, where totally. you would watch yeah, yeah, the replays yeah. um, and be like, Okay, now that was good. You nailed that. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's I've kind of done. I actually do. This is the reason why I wanted to do Wicked. So I'm happy <laughs> to just I'll go if you you can feel the rest of it. Um, it was amazing. That's that all I wanted to talk people about. were putting predictions on Twitter, and they're like, "I think Tommy's not going to like it, and Jimmy's going to have a bunch of different alphabets he enjoys." Um, and <laughs> I very much enjoy Wicked. I, I do absolutely. not. I do not enjoy best alphabet discourse i i find it it's fine uh tedious that but that but but this is something we know about us yeah and from doing this podcast is that i'm really actor focused sure and i'm much more production and story focused yeah yeah exactly like that's that's a big part of it for me is the the performance you know what i mean um so i could that i think that lends itself to that that narrative who's your favorite wizard I don't care. Who? I just don't care. I've who, never watched a video. Who? Brandon Yuri. I don't know if he's ever played the wizard, but I kind of want him to now. Can you imagine? That would be hot. <laughs> that wouldn't make sense because he's too hot. Oh, he'd no. be like the fucking Oz the Great and Powerful, like Dave Franco. Yes. Or James Franco. I can't remember James which Franco. one he is. Oh, I think it's James. Um, um, that's a bad film. Uh, ooh. Mm, I wonder if he's done it. Probably not. Andre de Shields. Um, good point, actually. I don't know if he did do it or not. I don't think he has. That'd be a good choice. It would be. It would be. I'm here for it. I think he must have. There's been so many wickeds. There's been so many wickeds. I like that There's this so is an wickeds. answerable internet question, but I want to leave it unknown for someone to yes. tell us. I'm I ready for that they'll be right in there because there will be people out there who have listened to the wizard videos mm-hmm. they're weird yes right alphabas not so much this is gonna be wizards my totally weird my return to youtube is top 10 wizards, wizards. from oh. the 
wicked. Top ten sentimental man. Top ten. Top ten oh. doctor. Top ten doctor Dillamans from Wicked. <laughs> I thought I'd watch. I don't mind that as much. Um, before we move on from talking about the content, yes. Did you know they changed the accent uh, of, in the UK of the wizard of everyone? They're British. Yes. Fascinating. And they sing in British. How? I'm now doing... Defying gravity. That's such an interesting... Yes. Which... Have I been able to find a reason? No. So Cause it's, cause I would it's, like... Because it's easier. Because I can, I can watch the West End cast of Hamilton on the Olivier's and pick out, in the way that you can pick out terrible British accents, I can pick out very, very good, but still, like, in that Uncanny Valley American accents. But also what I'll say is Glinda talks like this. Like it's it's like, like she gets the like most, a, an elevated like British hyper British. So it's yeah. like nobody speaks like that. So it's still an accent. Yeah. It's still an And it is it's not Alphabet America, so. it's Oz, so there is no Aussie accent. Absolutely. And um, so I don't know whether they've just done it to make it regional regional regional. Yeah. Um but yeah, after Edina and Kristen yeah. left the I, I don't actually know if Kristen did do it. After Edina left anyway. It went British. Oh, um, I didn't even think about that. That they kept it American until their marquee stars left. Yeah, huh. that's even more fascinating. But I don't think I don't. I think it was Dan Pilkington to start with. But that's then, something I should know. But then why? Why even bother? Why not just have some American accents and some British accents? I don't know. As I do know, like I've heard. Um, uh, stories of, of regional productions in the uk of like um uh, uh american themed shows well they're they'll do their best to give everyone you know oh if they can ha- possibly have a scottish accent because it might suit their character right we're gonna yeah, yeah, do yeah. whatever we can to like bend their accent away from american um yeah but i never thought about just like whole hog you know and why isn't that more prevalent why don't they do that with I don't know. Because Mama there's Mia. not much fantasy musical, though. Yeah, but who cares if the people... Mamma Mia is British, though. Yeah, but they, do they... So do they do British accents in... I don't know if they do British accents in the States, but they do British accents in the UK. Okay. They do American accents in the States. I'm pretty sure. Oh, interesting. Sure. Well, there you go. Uh, I'd have to look. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's not a lot of fantasy musical. And where, you can, where you're allowed to just yeah, go accent-free. Although what I will say, when they did the tour of Lion King... Yeah. Zazu was Scottish, and there was never anything worse wow. than that. That doesn't. They made make a joke sense. about Iron Brew. Really? Yep. That's terrible. It was one of the worst things. No, like the production was incredible. Blah, blah, blah. Sure. That yes. Zazu was like abysmal. It's annoying because I love the Morning Report. Anyway, wicked. It's <laughs> oh, oh, all I want to do right now is just go listen to the different riffs. Oh, and I it's see. interesting because they're pre-approved and they're only allowed to do certain ones really? and Stephen Remus will have your ass yeah like and so this is but this is it so Eden uh-huh. ugh, again just give me this is it I know I'm, I'm, I'm listening I just I'm, I'm not lamenting you I'm lamenting bro <clears throat> culture so <laughs> no, let them do great. the riff they want they're professionals why does it need to be approved who cares oh I see because you know 
sometimes but the thing is is like sometimes you can go with riffing in particular you can go off the rails and you might not nail it and, and then the badly, stage manager gives you a note and you fix it next like but so that's so that's literally what happened so Eden Espinosa um went out and did I think was it the Defying Gravity one uh-huh I think it was Defying Gravity which is now pretty much the most commonly used one because afterwards um Stephen Rumors was like you can't just go out and do that if you want to do something new you need to ask me first sure um and then i'll check it and i'll let you know if you can do it and he's like but that's very good so we're gonna keep it in and it's <laughs> now one of the like alternate ones that they teach huh how man that's gonna be such a wild part in the mti libretto whenever it's they publish the, it uh, uh, down at the end and it's so because like the original riff itself is a meme and like God damn it. I hate it. <laughs> no, you don't. It's really great. I do. I really it is, do. It's weird, isn't it? Why people just get obsessed with our riff. Because it's not and, It's not the art. <laughs> but it is, though. It's the craft. Which is which is different from the art, I would wager. Well. I don't care how Van Gogh held his paintbrush. But if he didn't, would it be the same? <laughs> we gotta get we're not we're getting out of here the park with george we're i'm not, hopping on my segue on. we're getting out of here yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on it too it's time Pause getting your dreams strange but it seems a little well complicated there's a kind of a sort of cost there's a couple of things get lost there are Perfect finale, the cheers in the valley. Who, who wouldn't be happier? So I couldn't be happier because happy is what happens when all your dreams come true. Well, isn't it? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Jim and Tomics.
theme ever. Do you know there there are a lot of uh, there are I wish there were more, but there are a few uh like academic nonfiction books on musical theater analysis. There are a date. There is only one that I have been gifted twice. <laughs> it's called For Good. I want to It's called Changed for Good. It's called Changed for Good. And it's like a study of uh it's a feminist study of musical theater. And on the cover is Elphaba and Glinda. And I have two copies on my bookshelf. One hardcover, one paperback, I think. Oh, nice. Didn't know they did a hardcover. I I think I'm looking now. I can't find them. Oh. I might have confused this. Now I see I also have two copies of Nothing Like a Dame. So. Oh. Which is the diva culture one. Yes. No. Yes. I have a lot of books, and I can't keep track of them. Yeah, the more of the story. Exactly. Anyway, wicked, <laughs> wicked. The end. Um, yes. No. A good point, well made, because that's a good. It, the the two essays about wicked mm. in that book mm. are very good. Yes. Um, delightful. And I think, uh, kind of make it clear why this show resonates with young females. Yes. In particular. It's interesting because it speaks a lot about um, queer representation Mm -hmm. as well, but not specifically related to it. So, like, it is definitely from a a feminist uh, perspective. Sure. But quite correctly highlights that this is also an important queer story as well. I mean, there's a, I think it's a more recent interview and like, uh, you know, quoting actors on analysis of their characters can be a problematic alley to fall down. Mm. But I think it might be both of them. I think it's Adina and uh, Kristen who said uh, they're pretty sure had things gone differently, uh, Glinda and Elphaba might have been girlfriends, lovers, something, something, something. Mm. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, yeah fair i mean it's it, it it's interesting because in the books i mean the books there's no signs of that that's that's not sure. that's not the case um but they do just have a really interesting relationship like a really complex yeah female relationship yeah um which is great and i'm glad that that's the thing that i would say is at the core yes of stephen schwartz's wicked yes is their relationship like that's really what the thing's the- about the untold stories of the witches of the witches of, of Oz. Oz. Yeah, they're exactly. both they're, they're both the two on the, on the poster. It's not yeah, just yeah, there it is. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not just the wicked. Guess what happened to the wicked? Was it like it's right. these two and how they helped each other? Yeah. Um, so I think in the, again they talk about it quite a lot in, in uh, one of those essays, but uh, it's something that hadn't really hit me before. Is actually the musical storytelling. Mm-hmm. of their platonic love story sure. um and the fact that it mirrors your classic musical theater trope love story test love storyline because yeah. they're meet cute in the same way as like anna get your gun mm-hmm. or um carousel their yeah. meet cute is bashing heads anything you can do i can do better yeah exactly it's they they don't get on i mean they really don't get on here yeah. um but it's that a, a complete trope yep. of uh, we don't like each other. And it's quite funny because they start it off 
as if it's deep love mm-hmm. because my heart is racing my face is flushing what is this feeling it's hatred right. <laughs> and that's really funny yeah. um and then uh obviously they don't have a, a proper proper duet again till for good mm-hmm. but you could argue that popular is a duet sure just because the it's so involved in its, with the two of them in it in its performance it is a it is a duet on stage absolutely exactly exactly in the same way with um their interaction in dancing dancing through life and the yeah. dance break yeah um is them falling like that's I mean, the 10 minutes ago that's the falling in love moment. even even in even without music or underscoring but the um you know we can't all travel by bubble fight Yes, uh huh. Is a is a is a two hander on like is this such an important scene? It is, and that and again sits in the tropes so well of the conflict when they fall out of love because they have the argument, yeah, um, and then they come back together at the end, realizing that they're much better together than they are, yeah, apart, yeah. right? It's just so, it's really well written, yeah. and I actually until I'd read that in that book, I hadn't realized, yeah, quite how well written it was. Oh, it's so um, good. I mean, even the interstitial bits in Defying Gravity um, yeah, of are, course. are some of the most moving parts of the show. Absolutely. You know. Abs- and it's, it's, the, it's the respect that's yeah. passing between the two there. I hope you're happy now that you're choosing this. I hope it brings you bliss. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it is. It's that, that beautiful mutual respect yeah. um, between these two characters. Um, and uh, again, um, musical theatre, quite notorious mm-hmm. Um for being anti-feminist in a lot of its portrayals of women. Um, And uh, mostly, you know, due to the fact that a lot of musicals are love stories and those love stories happen to be between... Heteronormative, male-centric love stories. Exactly. Male-centric being the often word here. What I love in this, Fiera doesn't get a look in. I know. Fiera's just like, who even is he? Nobody cares. It (laughs) It does make me... I wish he was there less sometimes. Really. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it does... And, like, I don't... I'm not well-versed enough to know how this compares to the original book. I wish Fiero was a little less important because I think Elphaba and Glinda's story is interesting enough without a competitive love interest. Mm -hmm. And that seems like a mainstream cop-out that is somewhere between mildly helpful and not necessary yeah i i think it is unnecessary because it's it's not in the books um mm, sure he doesn't have a relationship with glinda uh he is just purely in love with Elphaba, and it's a really God, raw carnal that's really disappointing to me because because mm-hmm. you could write you could rewrite it out uh you know we begin act two we're really excited that glinda's being anointed to first uh, vizier to the wizard and we're so excited also fiero's here he's head of the militia mm-hmm. on to the next scene right? right 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 um but to uh, they didn't go full into it because yes. what's quite good is that neither of them it, it, it their relationship is never perfect do you know what I mean? It is never like, I love and I'm happy and I'm right. settled. Like, even in Thank Goodness, um, she talks about, there's a kind of a sort of cuss. There's a couple of things you had lost. Yeah. There are bitches you crossed you didn't know yeah. you crossed until you've crossed. And if that joy... That... Which, I'll just keep going. Which reprises later, right? In right. A, yeah. um, 
doesn't thrill like you think it will. Like she's just talking about how disappointed she is in love right. because she's not got her best friend by her side anymore. Yeah. Um, and she realizes in that moment, actually, that's so much more important. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, goes on to make some silly decisions. Mm-hmm. Fear ends up being killed. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also, it, it just doesn't really. It doesn't really matter. Right. Because even after Elfie brings Fiero back to life, mm-hmm. um, he the their love story like yes they might run off together in the end but it's kind of just he's by proxy it's not it's not the story yeah which which is delightful and i think for for its time is very progressive i'm curious in like a because also like one of the reasons to include fiero is because we got to round out the trio of the scarecrow the tin man and the lion like yes where they come from and so we gotta we gotta spend enough time on him that he makes sense same with bach i think we yeah. do the least with the lion um yeah and god i wish they didn't make him a love interest because mm-hmm. he didn't or make him a love interest like yeah, he is in the book but just, just I mean? with alphabet yeah um because that's the other thing and this is something i don't know where i stand on this and i always get into arguments with people about this uh-huh. so alphabet alphabet just dies in the books yeah spoilers um that's the thing oh, i yes. knew um well she dies in the film right but that's propaganda um that's <laughs> true um but yeah and it's but actually it is ambiguous it to be fair it is ambiguous in the book, in the book. it's ambiguous um, okay. and it continues to be ambiguous and actually continues to be a bit of a plot point um okay which is extremely well written about and out of oz the fourth one sure with the granddaughter anyway um yeah so there's there is these changes because that's like they're kind of running off into the sunset together yeah it's fine but you don't like you're not like oh thank god she's with fear like right that isn't what you feel like you're actually just like it's so sad she can't be with glinda the yeah because the emotional impact is centered on like you know it it, it is this is a a protagonist discussion right who's the protagonist Mm -hmm. is it alphabet or glinda and like right you know there's an argument to be made that the show is written in a way that the protagonist is glinda that we center Mm -hmm. our emotional audience read in in her you know emotional reaction to this moment which Mm -hmm. rings the same at the end of the show whether alphabet dies or alphabet survives and glinda doesn't know yep it is still the same reaction for glinda and then i like adjacent to that i see the kind of like little shop reading between like in a movie well no that I guess that's the opposite hmm you should be more comfortable with killing them in the musical because you're gonna see them come back at the curtain call you know yeah 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 hmm yeah no Tricky. i hadn't i hadn't thought about that i knew she died in the book but i hadn't yeah. thought about the repercussion like what if you wrote it where she died in the musical what how does that play out because the thing is is glinda still thinks she's dead Right. Glinda doesn't have a like she doesn't secretly know. Yeah. And how she's dead. Like yeah. the only thing is is just to give it that pure happy ending. But I do and I'm, commas. I'm solidifying this thought in my head for maybe the first time. But I do mm-hmm. think this is a, a distinct difference in how we appreciate these art forms is that you know, you've you've been backstage at opening night where the director says, We're so excited to invite our last cast member to our production, the audience. Mm-hmm right mm-hmm. it's a trope and a metaphor people use 
that we don't use in a movie. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so the audience does get one more beat of emotional reckoning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in like, oh, thank God she came out of that trap door. Yeah. In the musical. And as well, I guess, they do sing together at the end. Yeah, which would be harder to do. I mean, you can do it in an Into the Woods style, but, you know, issue ghost. Um, Yeah. Like, you want to get that emotional moment of their voices next to each other either way. And so you have to get her physical actress body out on stage She needs to be there. So do you write it into the story or write it into the stage mechanics? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, and it's it's a, it's an interesting one. I think um, I don't think it makes it any less feminist if she does die. Sure, do you know what I mean? Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, but it's not. I I don't hate the show because of it. You know what right. I mean? It's just. It's, but I, to but me, I, it's a shame because I I always love a death. Sure, I do wonder if because because like that feels like a focus group decision right that feels like right. a universal pictures writer's room like well, exactly we... that's the chorus line um cassie gets into the line right uh, as opposed to not you know what yeah. i mean at the yeah. end of it like yeah i could see that happening and you know as much as that's kind of like uh yeah, shitty art by committee kind of stuff doesn't make it less true right no exactly would if, people if that's be what they say. more upset with the show if she died mm-hmm and also there is that that thing because obviously she does die in the film and the books. Right. Um, so so you get that having f- that moment fun spot of the difference. Actually, right. she was alive. Right. The untold oh. story. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it does it does in the structure of the musical. You know, as we've talked, the first lines of the musical are the whole story. Good news, mm-hmm. she's dead. And to pull a full reversal on that. That's, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, and you know, it does kind of feed into the books a little bit because there is is a question mark, and he sure. just gives the other side of it. Yeah. Fair enough, and, Stevie. And I doubt we're not going to make a Wicked Two at this point. No, although it'd be cool, wouldn't but it, be it nice? wouldn't work. The, the books, the, the other books, do not. Adapt. No, <laughs> musical theater sequels are never <laughs> successful. No. Full stop. Full stop. Don't try. Yeah. Best Little Horror House comes back. Whatever the second Annie Bring is. Bring back Birdie. Grease 2. Although Grease 2. Love if ne- there is one exception. Actually. Love Never Dies. No. Uh-huh. Frozen 2. That's a movie, though. Yeah, but if they staged that. Mm, fair. Although the first didn't do well enough for them to do it. Which is I know, yeah. but I think Frozen Two. Anyway, fuck it, we're not talking about that. Although, we although Adina, weird. Uh, oh, oh, follow up stage production, Lion King one and a half. Uh, Lion King two, thank you very much. Simba's Pride, all of them. Let's do all of them. I want, I want a Lion King cinematic universe. Absolutely, I must say the one and a half is very good. Um, what I one thing I do want to know. Speaking of it as as a feminist piece, though, sure. Um, is the other incarnations, mm-hmm. um, or the other literal incarnations, I should say, um, also have weird interjections with women and mm-hmm. w- humanity. Um, if that's a term, is that a term? I don't know. What do you mean? Kind of, as in, like, 
the nature of women. Okay, sure. Um, woman, womankind, as opposed to mankind. womankind. W- w- yes, uh, womanity. Womanity. I, but like I guess that. manity is. I know. A, the, now there's a bad connotation. <laughs> that I don't really. Manity. Like. But it's a fun word. I don't know. It is, isn't it? We're men. Anyway. We're not allowed to. <laughs> we can't. We can't coin terms. Um, anyway, um, L. Frank Baum's original stories mm-hmm. were written at the time um, of the women's suffrage movement mm-hmm. in America, yeah. right? Um, Gregory Maguire's adaptations uh, were written in the like mid nineties mm-hmm. when we were having the Spice Girls, yeah, becoming sure. an institution and this idea of girl power and moving away from the eighties, yeah, you know, women are in an office right. and should wear high heels to women are people, women are people women <laughs> and let's give them power. Them, you know, they'll they'll <laughs> you tell I mean? you what they want, what they really, really want. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's really interesting that uh, what Stephen Schwartz has made, making this love story between two women, yeah, is a complete product of the original piece. Because actually, um, the all of the books, all of the main characters uh-huh. are women. Yeah, like yeah. Tin Man and and Cowardly Lion, etc. Aside, they are kind of just the by, like they are the bystanders, right? Standers. Uh, but Auntie M, Dorothy, the Wicked mm-hmm. Witch, Glinda. Yeah. Um, there's other like Ozia is the mm-hmm. god of Oz, and that's a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's, it's just women. Yeah. Um, in the same Gregory Maguire's, you've got Glinda, you've got Elphaba, uh, Madame Morrible. Yeah. There's another woman called Yackle who doesn't appear in the the musical. Okay. Um, very female centric, and I just think that's. A quite a cool thing that that's a a part of this Oz world. Yeah, no, that's you know? it's it's yeah. I'm trying to think. Bef- what na- like name a women centric musical before Wicked? I know, right? But no, like come on, they're ha- like no, but it's hard. But it's 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 women centric. Just... Women centric is really tricky because, sure. like, in some ways, even like hairspray. Yeah, well, only a year. Even though a man but... plays one right. of the, like, I think women. there's some problematic stuff there. No, but right. but fair, but a fair cop. But gypsy. Ju- but it's because mm. of, it's because of the love stories, right? Yeah, no, they gypsy's instantly, a villain, but, yeah. de- but they detract because yeah. it's a core part of their narrative, whereas. Yeah. That's what I'm saying in this is like Fierro isn't really a court. Like he provides some conflict between the two of them. Sure. Sure. But he's not a part of their story. Yeah. Yeah. Like their story as in the story of. Right. You know what I mean? But like Herbie is a really important part of Mama Rosa's story. Right. Like and and a lot of plot points don't happen without him exactly he kind of you know he's the encouraging one in the same way with hairspray whereas i think in separate occasions across the course of this entire episode we have Mm. said variously you could drastically cut down the wizard bach or fiero in this story and eh, absolutely doesn't really matter doesn't matter like they sure they need to be there plot points absolutely but you don't need to flesh them out they don't need numbers no yeah 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 bach doesn't need a song Give Madden Morrible a song. Yeah, why doesn't she have a song? Just because shite. 
She's just shite, isn't she? She does have the best speech, though. Oh, my God. Mm. That she... monologue is really good and very powerful. This this book, the whole... And, like, the book book, not the novel book. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Winnie Holtzman. Who this is? She had written a play, but this is her first musical theater. I think she, no, I think she's done TV before, but yeah, she first did some musical. TV, and I think she she had done some th- like theater playwriting stuff. Um, right. No, I'm wrong. Hold on. <laughs> Fuck me. This is totally wrong. While at NYU, she wrote the musical Birds of Paradise. Rewind. Um, oh, okay, but nothing on Broadway, like nothing. Yeah. Winnie Holtzman, and like this is her first like Broadway Broadway musical. Yeah. It's kick ass. Yeah. The book for this show is so good. And we haven't even delved into mostly because there's not a lot of write-ups about it, but like there was some legal struggle about the in one of the original drafts of the book of the musical, there was a lot more references to the MGM film that mm-hmm. they could not get the rights to. And it's why mm-hmm. I think they're like crystal studded shoes instead of ruby slippers and things like that. Yeah. But also the aforementioned, you know, pears and peaches and melons. Oh my! Um, there's a, a there, at one point, uh, uh, like they. Well, we they, can't come and go by bubble. Like right. one of the best lines. Like, oh, even I think uh, uh, the wizard says to Elphaba at some point, like, "I love Oz," and she's like, "Me too." There's no place like home, which like is a <laughs> reference to the book, but we know it because it's from the movie. Like, yeah, exactly. The way the 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 libretto tap dances around not quite referencing the movie yeah oh, it's so good it's so well written yeah yeah mad plot is yeah so well done yeah all around wicked it's a pretty good show <laughs> it is it is indeed um let's talk business sentimental skip <laughs> Ooh. also i don't know if this will fit in here or not but um there's a video online backstage in the percussion pit for this show oh my god i know the video yeah yeah the, yeah. the second percussionist in the show is wild 
has a microphone on his baseball cap so he can put it near the bizarre and interesting rhythm instruments that live in like a secret basement under the theater. Yeah. It's so cool. Percussion pit cams, by the way, are so oh. fascinating. The Lamez Revival one. I I will like one of my late night YouTube spirals will be any kind of orchestra pit conductor mm-hmm. cam instrument cam i am always so curious mm-hmm. about and it's also so satisfying there's a great one of wicked um and they're all like these are these are audition materials for the conductors right like that's why yeah. they're out there it's like look at how, what a good job i do and there's one at where it's defying gravity because that's the thing you want to conduct and it's just a conductor cam but you can like see the fog start rolling in and you see her like taking vamps bum 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 and then they'll keep going uh-huh. and then so we've got to bring her and then she like waits to see whatever the riff is no Dumb. it's not the riff it's not controlled by the riff it's controlled by the staging so she um mm. i can't remember the exact like should know sure naughty i'll link to stephanie j block explaining it mm-hmm. um but basically um she's here mm-hmm. or is this no good this is the end of no good deed but okay. defying gravity is similar um so she's here um no good will i do again and she turns uh-huh. and then that is your upbeat uh-huh and then she throws it forward and then that's the cue that's so cool for the button like it's so good when like I it's did... again this beautiful well oiled machine the whole the whole thing and i remember the first time i saw it in chicago you could tell it was like a you know the the b team stage manager or something um especially the big one is at the it's like halfway through dancing through life bump bump mm-hmm. and like all the christmas lights come on and yeah. you you could tell it was a half a beat late and it was just oh. wrong it's just like a missed cue and I was like, damn it, that's a mistake I make it and I'm a high schooler. Um, yeah, that's really sad. But my favorite Especially thing, because like you're in the rhythm. I know, you should just do you it. You should be able to just hit um, it, go. Well, nowadays, we're probably right before nowadays many more like post hairspray um, are just uh-huh. are just on a click track. Um, yeah. and like everyone's just on a click track. The conductor's on a click track, like just just you hit go and away we go. Um, yeah. but my favorite thing about the Defying Gravity Wicked Conductor Cam is you can see that all of the orchestra pit stand lights are also controlled by the lighting system. So they're all part of the theatrical lighting system as opposed to being just plugged into the wall because on the final beat, bump, they all turn off so that it can be pitch black in the theater. And the idea is you're done playing the music you don't need to see your music yeah, in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And so they just turn them all off, which is such, like, that attention to detail. Yeah. And that's probably, like, they probably didn't do that first. They probably were like, oh, we can see the pit lights. And yeah, this is scenes. affecting the... We yeah, need to yeah. be able to control how this works. But, like, that's, oh, those moments in theater. And no one mm. knows. I, I am a theatrical professional and didn't notice it the four or five times I've seen Wicked. It took yeah. me like deep diving into a backstage video to notice it. But I find that interesting because surely not all, because I can't actually remember what the pit is like mm-hmm. in the Apollo and uh, I can't remember what was it, the at New least, Amsterdam? 
at least in Chicago, there's a there's the the like main stage floor is like a big circular gear, and then there are two other gears left and right that protrude a little further. So uh-huh. then you end up with this like scalloped opening where the uh-huh. conductor's at, and then you can kind of see down in there. Um, right, okay. The Chicago theater. I'd have to double check. Um, I think that Apollo. Now that I think about it, though, I actually think that Apollo is it's not under stage. You can like see the conductor and all. It's not yeah, like a conductor so. cam. Yeah. Um. So and I, and I don't know point, what though. it was in the new am. Um, uh-huh. But you know that sort of that stuff is. I love that stuff. That's your. That's right. Alpha riffs. Yeah. Right. Give me, give me a conductor cam any day. A, a dusty black and white infrared. You know, unflattering angle <sighs> of a guy in a microphone going like one, two, da 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 da, and then yeah. seeing the lights change, and he like laughs at it. One, he's like, ah, you got that? Oh, that time, <laughs> that inside joke we have, oboe player, uh-huh. like. I, like it's. I also just love different conducting styles. Um, Paul Gimignani mm-hmm. is the laziest man yes. on the planet. So I had the pleasure of watching him um, when I went to see Drude because uh-huh. uh, they were in the gallery. Um, and for some reason, the conductor sits in the gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Why not? Um, and literally, he just sits. Uh huh. <laughs> Sit, sat down, uh-huh. and that's it. Yeah, you can see. The I mean, thing. every every Broadway, every Sondheim birthday concert, anything Sondheim that's been where like the, yeah. the orchestra's on stage, you can always see him. My favorite is, and I think I've tweeted this joke before. I yeah, the uh, I maybe I'll find the tweet for the show notes, but you could search for it. It's like find someone who looks at you the same way Paul Gianni looks at Patty Lapone, and there's a, it's the <laughs> photo of like Patty Lapone holding up the glass in. Uh, ladies who lunch and right. a, and a blurry Paul looking back at her, kind of half-heartedly shocked, <laughs> with his mouth open. It's the funniest thing. Oh, I love that. That's my one, that my first good. Paul story. My second, which I think I've told before. Did I have I told uh-huh. you that I've had Paul Paul Gemignani? Is that right? Gemignani, yeah. Paul Gemignani and Paul Giamatti confusion. Yeah, you have for a very long time. I thought they were the same person. I thought it was a very talented uh, actor slash actor slash conductor. Different people. I have seen. You never learned. know. I think Paul Giamatti could could act. Could Paul Giamatti conduct? Definitely not. Well, I wanna, he could do. He could do Paul Giamatti style. I I want a Freaky Friday where they <laughs> change places. A very yeah. niche Freaky Friday. <laughs> I'm here for it. Anyway. Wicked, Jimmy. It's still <laughs> playing. It's still going. Well, you know. I mean, as in, w- in theory. There's no business like no business like no business like none. Um, but Right. Um, yeah, it is. And I can't see it closing. I'm tired. No, uh, which is perhaps the uh, development hell that the movie's been stuck in. Um, uh, yeah, perhaps. But also, like... What I will say, uh-huh. um, it's it's not, it's definitely not the same musical it was since Hamilton came out. What do you mean? Because Hamilton is the new hype bus, like sure. extreme hype bus, sure. right? Yes, 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 um, yes. And to be honest, I'm actually a lot more surprised at how well Hamilton is doing in the West End. Mm-hmm. Um 
I, it's doing a lot better than I expected it to. Yeah. Um, I still don't know if it will have the 20 year, 25 year long. Yeah. Run that. Uh, had. Right. Um, not 20, sorry, 17 years. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's surprised me how well it's done. Yeah. Um, so, but that has definitely taken the sting off of the big, mad, wicked. Because now no longer when you speak to the musical theatre layman, mm-hmm. do they say, oh yeah, I love Wicked. Right. It's, oh yeah, I love Hamilton. Oh, I love Hamilton. Right? Right. Like, yeah. that's the new yeah. I mean, that's, that's a freaking joke in uh, Knives Out. Um, it's like, oh, Right? Oh Hamilton. my god, yeah, you're so right. Right? <laughs> you're so right. Like, the, the, that, that. Like it, it has it has uh, been an Ouroboros and like is starting to eat its tail. The Hamilton yeah. meme culture. Yeah, but that's exactly it. So I think um, a movie, yeah, would help stoke a flame there. Absolutely, and give it a bit more energy and maybe get it out another ten years. Yeah. Um, especially what, if it was a good movie. What do you if think? If it was a bad movie, if it was a bad movie, can you imagine? Although, Death well, you know, like. Cats is going to be a cult classic. But that's that's the thing. Like, Cats went there. That's true. And Cats, was, all, I mean? Cats was already kind of there in the zeitgeist. Right, yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, Wicked is respected. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> what do you think, like, you know... We're 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 analysts. Isn't isn't Wicked the fifth longest running on Broadway? Something like that. Or maybe I think it's, it's one of the that too. Or maybe it's one of the five to pass a billion. Um, it's broken a ton of records, right? Yeah. We're not a math podcast. Don't don't ask me. On. Okay, it's number nine. Okay. What's what's in its way? Um. So oh, this is. Oh. Uh, that's a surprise. Okay, Starlight, and I was wondering, is it including Germany in that? But it's not. Mamma Mia, which I knew, Cats, mm-hmm. Lion King, Chicago, Blood Brothers, Phantom, Les Mis. But currently running, uh-huh. mm-hmm. then you've just got Lion King, Phantom, Les Mis for the West End. Okay. Um, uh, but like, what keeps the wicked lights on, you know? yeah is it is a fascinating question that that (laughs) producers across the country would like the answer to you know absolutely absolutely um yeah i mean it's it's good it's good story and spectacle it is uh easily accessible on its first watch Mm -hmm. uh and you can find new things on a rewatch is a spectacle if if it's your 50th time. Yeah. There is your fancy culture of how will they do this riff? Which, as much as I poo-poo it, shouldn't be discredited, right? Not at all. Like, it's, there's definite repeat offenders there. Like, um, yeah, I think... it's Because if, if you look at that list, like, mm-hmm. I would say the only other one that I would put in a similar bracket would be Les Mis. Sure. Um, because of it's like it's for as much as it's hugely commercial it's not lowbrow yeah yeah right whereas like your cats your mamma mia's um lion king isn't it's not lowbrow but it's still an event like it's it's not 
you can you can go to it Book you can go to it with an understanding just of the spectacle yes exactly and that is really that is the main appeal whereas i think for wicked actually it is the sum of all of its parts yeah yeah which make it good, good. I also um, think, and you know, perhaps this will trickle into our next point, but mm. it also, I would say, maybe save for Lion King, but I think there's a debate there, has the broadest demographic of a lot of yeah. those shows. You know, you don't want to bring your seven-year-old to Les Mis. Or if no, you do, they're, exactly. a very, they're me at seven, but like not, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you're not going to bring a field trip of seven-year-olds to Les Mis. No, they'll get, they're going to get really bored. Yeah, you could probably bring a field trip of seven-year-olds to Wicked and have a pretty yeah. high success rate. You know, yeah. I think Lion King's on that list too because it's, you know, ergo Disney. Um, but, and also it's like, it's just like, oh, wow, wow, because it's spectacle, spectacle, spectacle. Right. Um, but yeah, I think... It, 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 this there is a huge um audience for it yeah but also the kind of core target audience of the kind of tween t- to like mid to late 20s um spans such a a broad amount of time that they are gonna keep sure going back but even i would say you know my mom loves wicked like i think my dad loves wicked like i think their quote-unquote core target audience is just a sorry big target bucket. audience target audience isn't what i meant okay um like the i guess kind of like the sweet spot audience sure is maybe do you know what i mean like the audience that will i think voracious and an untapped audience in other this is the like spring awakening wicked avenue q the youngening of broadway um, right that we kind of saw in the early 2000s per- right. perhaps mostly because of or you know in large part because of wicked because of wicked i think fully because of wicked because uh, before that we there was nothing that was as much of an event yeah um I mean, we're still in, we're in the we're in the dark years of recovering from the AIDS pandemic. Um, well, but, you know, I mean, like, it, 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 we're still kind of the Euro musical yeah. is just starting to fade out now. Yeah. Um. So, fully. Um. Because I'm trying. I'm trying to think what else actually was still running at that time. Yeah, I mean, we're we're coming off of. Let's see. Hairspray was the year before. Millie, the producers. Millie. So that's an. I'd say Millie. Millie Hairspray. Yeah. Millie in particular, because of Sutton, had a like the the seeds were planted. Yeah. And then I think Wicked was the water that made them grow. Like it, it. Yeah, Wicked just. It really hit the nail on the head for this kind of voracious fan culture, yeah. Because, um, it, I, I, I actually I don't know why I don't know. Maybe because it's like it's not just one strong woman; it's two strong women. You sure. know what I mean? Like it, it could be something as simple as that. Right. Um, there's two people there that I can obsess over, and you're either an Elphaba or you're a Galinda. Right. Um, and you can choose. Whereas if you just go see Millie, yeah. you can only be a Millie Dillmount. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. No one's going to be a uh, muzzy. Right. Right? <laughs> there's, there's a t-shirt. I'm, I'm, um, <laughs> no one's going to be a muzzy. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I also think um, mm-hmm. this season yeah. in particular is really fascinating yeah. um, and significant 
because it is kind of like the origin story of the contemporary Broadway that we see today, like I would happily try mm. and argue that. Sure. Um, and it just so happens uh-huh. that the head of our network made a documentary about it. Yes. Um, but it, it's, it's a really interesting documentary because yeah. it is kind of that idea of like of all of the seasons uh-huh. to pick this was a really key one because the four so the four shows that they talk about i don't know if people have seen it um it's called show business mm-hmm. like the path to broadway or something like that um and it covers uh the, basically the life on broadway of wicked avenue q carolina change and taboo mm-hmm. um which are four very, very different shows yeah. um, that kind of had, in their own individual ways, equal amounts of promise. Yeah, sure. Um, Wicked was your commercial surefire hit. Yeah. Most money, it was going to be fine regardless. Yeah. Avenue Q was these new guys um, who had this really kind of weird left field idea but it was accessible as anything because it was just so like good um then carolina change yeah was like the other side of it like serious not happy um really like contemporary storytelling yeah um that we are still you know people are still teething on today mm-hmm. um and then taboo which was super queer jukebox right fronted by rosie o'donnell <laughs> like, it's such a wild man what a wild time on broadway like like absolutely it's it's kind of it's kind of mad and then you also had the boy from oz which they don't talk about um right. but, was but that was also happening at that time that year yeah yeah um so it's just a very, very interesting time. Yeah. And then also to think, actually, Wicked didn't do that well. No. It didn't do great critically. No, lost the um, Tony. Um, didn't get the Tony, even though everyone said it was going to get the Tony. Oh, I got in such a big fight with my other musical theater nerd friend when we watched the Tonys at his senior year graduation party. And I oh. had put on my bingo card that Avenue Q was going to win. Avenue Q. And he was like, Wicked's right. going to win. And I was like, I think Avenue Q is going to win. And right. I was right. Thus well began done, my I would have said, long career. I would have said wicked. Like there yeah. would be no, there would be no doubts in my mind. Um, and I would have said, I would have agreed with um, uh, Ben Brantley. Is it Ben Brantley or Michael Riddell? I think it's Ben Brantley. Doesn't um, matter. Because they feature, they fe- I know one of them, they feature lots and he loves it. Sure. Um, but he talks about how he, should, he said that Tonya Pinkins mm-hmm. uh, should have won for Carolina Change. But I said it went to Adina, yeah, and was obviously only one of their three Tonys. Mm-hmm. I find that very politically interesting because sure. I don't think she does. Like I think no, I think I Kristen, think deserved, I think it Kristen deserves it over Adina too. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Especially someone who's analyzed that part to fuck. I mean, you know what I mean? I yes. know Adina's performance oh, for sure. very, very well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I just think. It, if you look at Wicked and what happened with it in that time, mm-hmm. you wouldn't say this is going to last forever. Yes. And yet, here we are. I do think the other thing that is worth acknowledging, and mm-hmm. this actually leads into another fascinating fact that I've since learned. So, mm-hmm. do you know who the lead producer on Wicked was? 
Mark Platt. They don't publish it a lot. Mark or what's his Platt did was the lead <laughs> producer. Um, father of uh, well, his name's John Platt. Um, <laughs> John no one Platt, cares. father of what's his Platt, who's in white male name Platt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh no, it was Mark Platt. Pardon me. Oh, John Platt was a thank you. Producer. I want to talk about Universal Pictures. Oh, I see. Well, Mark Platt worked for Universal Pictures. Got it. Um, Universal Pictures, after Wicked, was known as Universal Pictures Stage Stage Productions. Um, Had been involved in some producing beforehand of stuff you've never heard of, save for maybe Best Little Horror House in Texas, Uh um, which is interesting, and I'd like to unpack before that. But after that, Wicked, Billy Elliot, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, Bring It On, Glengarry, Glenn Ross, Mean Girls, like they became a, a force to reckon with as, yes. and like, this is interesting nowadays in our, did you watch any or hear any of the news of the like Disney conglomerate, uh, 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 marketing, uh, funders call or whatever they had a couple days the ago. Investors presentation yeah. that I cried at openly. Yes. Yes. Where, yes. where they said, we are <laughs> going to reinvent everything again. Um, and it's this bizarre, <clears throat> like disassociative thing of like, you really want to support these artists and, you know, large monopolizing corporations might be a force for good in the world. Um, it's really tricky. Isn't it really yeah, frustrating? It, it's and, not a discussion to have right now because I don't know where I stand yet. It's fair, there's a lot. But <clears throat> nowadays, perhaps one of the one standouts that's not under the Disney umbrella is Universal Pictures. Right, exactly. Um, and... In a world where we're, you know, maybe uh, three quarters of a decade out from Lion King that literally cleaned up Broadway the street for the sake of its, you know, Disney starting to buy up as much of Broadway as possible. And in comes Universal Pictures with their surefire commercial hit that they know will be a surefire commercial hit in that very Disney way. But the thing they do that Disney didn't do well is no one knows that Universal did Wicked. Yeah. Which is a very clever marketing thing. So are you mean are you meaning because it doesn't have that kind of stigma attached to it? It doesn't feel like oh the big mouse has made this. Like and it feels like a homegrown. Exactly, and there are productions on right. Broadway that Disney theatrical doesn't put their names on that they try mm-hmm. to like the whatever not the recent recent revivals of Little Shop, but I think the second mm-hmm. recent one um, was very Disney sponsored. But you mm-hmm. have to search real hard to figure that out. Um, so they learned, but you know, Wicked has the money for the marketing. Mm-hmm. And has, you know, Universal has recording studios and people who do this. Absolutely, and, absolutely. You know. Well, I, I think, like, to to give Universal a little bit of credit, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't their idea. Fair. Um, so Mark Platt originally had the rights to do a movie. And I think he'd been working on it for two years mm-hmm. um, and wasn't hitting on anything. Mm-hmm. Um and that classic apocryphal was about to give up when the phone rang <laughs> and there was Stephen Schwartz. So, but Stephen Schwartz separately mm-hmm. um, had uh, read the book and was like, this needs to be a musical. Who has the rights? Oh, it's Universal. Picks up the phone and is like, hi, this needs to be a musical. And they were like, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they went with it there. Yeah. So in a way, Wicked was the gift to Universal that allowed them to do sure. Billy Elliot, blah, blah, blah. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, onwards and upwards. Uh but I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think there's a, no, is that the right way to phrase it? I don't think it's a coincidence. Sure. 
But it is it is this this fucking catch twenty two of like Wicked is good because it has high production value. Yes. It has high production value because it has money. Yes. It has money because it has a big corporate sponsor. Yes. I am uncomfortable with big corporate sponsors deciding my art. But when the art is good, mm-hmm. why does that matter? Yeah. That's fair. Because Billy Elliot. Right. And, and because Wicked, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, extremely good, high quality yeah. art. Yeah. You know, it's not um, doling out the trash. But even, I was going to say, like, like this, but that isn't true. Disney stuff is also so it's good. also really good. But, like, people don't, you know, and, and, like, I struggle, you know, maybe we will get into this conversation or maybe this will end up in Last Call. But, like... Uh-huh. It's the longest last call ever. There's there's Disney shit that I love. And there's Disney mm-hmm. there's independent Disney artists that I know on Twitter that I adore, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm really uncomfortable with Disney owning so much stuff because they own so much stuff. I know. And it lets them manipulate particular messages in a way that is legitimately harmful to society. It can be, but also it it I think they can also distribute messages sure that are really positive but but i mean as as an easy example how many times do you think a positive queer message was toned down in a disney product for the sake of their general audience so i think historically infinitesimal i think means really small yeah the other it, opposite infinitely yeah <laughs> loads right but um, but I think we will see a change. But would we, if Disney didn't have such broad reaching audience marketing, there wouldn't be forces that would have caused them to make those calls. If instead we had a more diversified, independent or codependent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, bevy of artistic creators and funders and patrons. Mm-hmm. then the things that needed to go as far or as hard as they wanted to could yeah, without the mouse having to worry about a joke that the Simpsons are making, which is where right. we live now, right? But that is utopia. That isn't realistic. <sighs> because yeah. investors go where the money is. I know, but the money's and just... it's as in, simple as that. Well, the money's just in Scrooge McDuck's vault right now, and that's the problem. Well, that's it. That's the, that's the thing. But... um. It, yeah, it's so it is really challenging. But I would say, why are we talking about Disney? I, was I know we started Universal. I know this is why. Like, right? Because I'm a I am a big Disney fan, and I understand the the you know the oh, monopolies yeah. aren't useful to anyone. Right. Um, but uh, they seem to be getting more responsible with their storytelling. Or is social justice just a new marketing avenue? perhaps but i know and what's the difference right at the end of the day you know what is what is the point in social justice if not to make these changes sure yeah right yeah um as long as they keep as long as it stays that way right do you know what i mean as long as it's not a trend yeah. which i don't think it is because it's kind of a pandora's box thing of 
well, when you make your first gay Pixar movie, right. then you can make another one because you've already done one. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, I, yeah, of all of the monopolies, of all of the conglomerates, I have a lot of faith and trust in Disney uh-huh. um, that they'll do the right thing. Uh, but I appreciate yeah. they have a lot of is, or is stuff. That, <laughs> is it just because you've drank the Kool-Aid? They're very well crafted Kool-Aid. A hundred percent. I'm a deep Disney nut. Yeah. Um, but also, for reasons like good legitimate yeah, reasons, because they make good. Do you know art. what I mean? And they hire good artists. They make really good stuff. Yeah. Stephen yeah. Schwartz, mostly a Disney composer. Hey. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. How did we even? I don't even. I can't even work out how we started. Oh, just talking about stuff. Yeah. Um. Wicked is still playing. Even it's after this five-hour-long conversation about Disney, it's still going. It's still going. And probably will continue. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I see no... Their, their, like, house sales and stuff are still really... Still selling out. Yeah. Still selling out. It's incredible. Yeah. It's really, really incredible. And you, Do you know what else is interesting? That yeah. I'm just... I'm having this thought in the moment. For a musical that has played as long as it has, mm-hmm. it has not needed to, as far as I can tell offhand, you'd know better, needed to start to pull some of the Chicago or stunt casting stunts. Like, there's not a lot of stunt casting in Wicked. No. There's, like, Broadway-centric stunt casting, you know, R.E. Joel Grey and stuff, but, like, not, you know, there's no, no like, there's not a lot of YouTubers in Wicked these days. But it's because it's impossible to do because they need to be good vocalists. They need yeah. to be good actors. That um, in and of itself might is is twisting the dial more towards me being like, okay, challenging music can be okay in a musical. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Of course. I forget you don't like that. As a, I, I don't like. I get it. But in the in the way that like I don't watch sports. Like, I don't uh-huh. really. I don't really care about that. You. There's ways to do the end of defying gravity. That isn't mm-hmm. so vocally challenging. That is still as dramatically inspiring, in my own humble opinion. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and and they'll probably be in the MTI published version, right? In the same way that like when you get the rights to Hello Dolly, you get the Carol Channing key, and then like the normal yes. person yeah, key. Yeah. 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 Um, but an argument on the other side would be challenging vocals keep prohibit stunt casting. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is it, it actually doesn't necessarily need to prohibit stunt casting, sure. Um, because they'll just well, we'll just take that down. Yeah. Oh, we'll just edit it. Don't right, worry. Exactly. Um, and thankfully, Wicked hasn't felt the need to do that. And the thing is, is like, um, what's incredible is they've put a lot of young, new, yeah. or uh, you know, grafting actors yeah, up and coming into the limelight. Yeah. And when you when you play Elphaba, when you play Glinda you have a fan base and yep. you will become a name. Yep. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. I think that's yeah. Yeah. fantastic. Um, and do you know why you will have a name? Hmm. Because of the fans. Hop on. Good deeds are when looked at with an ice cold eye. If that's all good deeds are, maybe that's the reason Circumvented, no good deed goes unpunished. Sure, I meant well, well, look at what well meant it. 
My segue plays music. Did you know that? <laughs> it plays apparently the sound of music for some reason. <laughs> How weird and outdated of you. Um, yeah, so. I mean, we've talked quite a lot about the fan culture because, hi, my name's Jimmy um, and I'm a fan of this show um, with a capital F. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, it, yeah, there's so... There's so much to kind of pull apart here yeah. because I think it's genuinely interesting to see where this sits it in does, the, the fan world that we talk about quite a lot. It does seem to be... Is Wicked the first musical that had musical fans in the way that we contemporarily understand them today? So I think the way we contemporarily understand today is internet fans. Yeah. Right, it's it's the it's is, the symbiosis of internet and musical theater. You can you can be a fan of the show, having not yet seen it, nor ever having the potential to see it, while exactly. also not being a specific fan of the art form as a whole. Right, you're not like exactly. a nerd. You're a fan. Exactly, because I think taking Millie, right, taking that example sure. that's just happened. Um, if you lived in New York, mm-hmm. you could easily be obsessed with Sutton Foster and Millie. Yes. Right? Easily. Um, but if you watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yeah. You right? Know and you what saw it was. them perform. You'd be like, that's brilliant. But it's not going to hook you so much that you're going to be like, I am going to become obsessed with this show. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, because Wicked got the cast album out like that. Right away. Yep. Um, because their marketing was extremely good for even their out of town. Yep. Right. Yep. It already had a life. Yeah. Like a, a good life before it even hit Broadway. Yeah. Um, then you throw in a cult classic actor like Adina Menzel because Rent. Right. Is the other musical that had deeply voracious fans. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um But the thing about Rent is it was pre-internet. Right, yeah. And was, I would say, a little less accessible to the masses. Rent, rent, depending upon your uh, 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 political bent, let's call it, social bent, right. is a little inaccessible in ways that Wicked isn't. Yes, fair, 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 fair. But I think, well, maybe it's like a nowadays view I'm, I'm looking at that, because I think nowadays if Rent was released, well, oh, I can't be arse talking about like the politics of Rent, sure. but... Um, in in theory, nowadays if Rent was released, people would be obsessed with it to the point of you know, handsoning it. Absolutely, right? yes. Um. Anyway, so, uh, going back to the start of the internet mm-hmm. and the start of fan culture, because we're right we were there. there, Tommy. Yeah, that was us. Two thousand four. I feel yeah. so excited to talk about because you know that is this is our beginnings right. um the first time i ever saw wicked was on fucking myspace i know yeah it was on someone's myspace wall yeah 
like being it this was one of it was not the first but one of the earliest itunes albums i was able to get um yes oh my god remember i used to buy them all at itunes i know no well and like it was a significant change in that like i didn't have to go to the library and rip the cd to get the cd yeah which i had to do with things like you're in town two three years earlier Yeah, Um, yeah 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 um and i think that is one of the things that made it go like wildfire because the uk do you know what i mean i knew wicked before it was in the uk yeah that was so rare yeah because it like at that time as well i wasn't the musical theater deep nerd that i am today Mm -hmm. wicked in many ways was one of the shows that came on the path it wasn't the show it was rent but um yeah like it was still a big part of me getting involved in oh, the discussions yeah. because everyone else knew about Wicked. Yeah, Wicked. I mean, I unequivocally, Wicked was the show for me. As being already a burgeoning musical theater nerd, this was my senior year of high school. I was working on writing a musical with a friend. It wasn't that I didn't know musicals, but it was paperclips. Paperclips? Something to do with paperclips? It's nothing to do with paperclips. This was a musical because it entered the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. you could talk with people about and especially because yeah. like it sat down in chicago pretty early um 2005 or six maybe yeah um, that would make sense people like everyone just went to go see it um and so you could talk with people about it yeah. whereas like no one wants to hear my opinions on title of show right right nobody gives a fucking shit about that yeah um yeah, spelling bee. Who gives who gives a toss? Right. Like, it, if you're not talking about wicked, then what's the point? Are you talking about Les Mis? That's the only other one that I care about. You know what I mean? Like that. Right. That's the kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. I remember in my first year of uni, I went in a wicked themed pub crawl. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what delightful. even is that? Right, it is delightful. I, I dressed do, up as the wizard. I do think that's even more delightful that you dressed up as the wizard. I also Thanks. do think it is a perfect storm, not just that it's the internet age, but that it is this show in the internet age. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. everyone has seen the MGM movie. Yes. Everyone is culturally aware. Like, who's in The Wizard of Oz? Dorothy the Scarecrow, the Tin Man and the lion although i did have yep. to pause for a second to put that on um <laughs> always forget the lion yeah but like everyone can quote even if they've never seen the movie something from the wizard of oz right yep. the mgm movie and this show does such a good job and like legally of dancing around that movie because they don't have the rights to it different movie mm-hmm. studio um but d- just not only referencing it, but like that's the whole point. That's the spot the difference painting. And so it becomes something that is exciting for people who don't know or like or are interested in musicals, you know? And like, the, I don't think there's a, I, there probably is. The internet is infinitely fractal, but like this show isn't riding on the coattails of the huge, the large Wizard of Oz fan base, right? Yeah. It's not like all they the... weren't the ones that were on the message board. You know what I mean? Like that's right. just not the case. They were wicked fans. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think it, it is. It's because of this show, but also I think it's because the content of this show mm-hmm. um, appealed to uh, the others. Right? Yeah. 
Sure. And and so the same. So and really interesting. Um, have you ever seen the documentary Repeat Offenders? Uh, I've Repeat not. Attenders. I've not. It's on my list, but uh, <laughs> it's just... it's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good. A little bit sensationalist. Sure. Uh, but some really nice stories. Um, but Patty and Emily mm-hmm. uh, feature on it a fair bit, mm. um, and it's they're by far the best thing in it. Yeah. <laughs> is what I'll say. Actually, no. There's there's one woman who really likes Starlight Express, and she's wonderful. Oh, that's a choice. She's German, so it makes sense. It does, but though. It, it does. It honestly, it, it would maybe change your opinion about Starlight Express. Anyway, pack them over there. They have the chat. Um, and uh, Emily, mm-hmm. uh, basically just says this thing that that kind of like just la- you know we just dropped that pin and I was like yeah of course sure yeah of course and it makes so much sense so basically she said that um one of the reasons why um fans get so voracious and protective particularly when it comes to musical theater that kind of gatekeeping yeah thing that we've definitely talked about oh, before yeah. that, that we're um, guilty of in a lot that of... we are guilty yeah, yeah. It, every time you can feel yourself slipping into it yeah. it's it's not good behavior but it's very but it easy happens. to fall into yeah, yeah. um she said it's because um, musical theatre fans are so often treated as the other mm-hmm. for so long um, in their lives that when they eventually get on the infield, when they become like a, p- a place where they can, mm-hmm. you know, run free, um, they seize the opportunity to become the big name on campus mm-hmm. um, for the first time. Because yeah. always they're the people who are outcasts, know nothing, blah, blah, blah. When they can know the most about something... Mm-hmm. For sure, they'll let you know oh, about it. Absolutely, early Hamilton Tumblr discourse, like look no further, right? right? And exactly contemporary Hamilton Disney Plus internet discourse, you can see it rear its ugly head again. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like it is, it's such a. It, it, to me, it's the thing that I actually, I I dislike the most about our community. Sure, is the gatekeeping and is the. Uh, yeah, just the the cruelness sometimes because yeah. people don't know a specific thing, and because I'm to me, I'm like if people are learning about musical theater, if they're showing an interest beyond yeah. passively listening to something, good God, that's exciting, and you want to nurture that. You want to be like, it's, okay, I mean, we've got you. Rewind, what, come on, rewind your podcatcher. I was guilty of this and caught myself in the moment at the very beginning of this very podcast. When right. I said, if you've been listening to this podcast for this long and haven't yet heard of Wicked, right? There you go. Yeah, Tommy exactly. recalculates and thinks. Yeah, I'm so excited to share this with you for the first time. But that was not my initial thought, right? That's my it. initial thought was going to be like, "What are you? How did you get here? Who right? are you? What like, rock oh, have you crawled? Screw it, right? Some I mean, gatekeepery yeah. bullshit. That's it. That's it. And we need to get so much better at it, it, it not doing that yeah. because, like, I get. A lot of my friends enjoy musical theatre, mm-hmm. right? Some of them are a couple are nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority like Wicked, right? You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the majority are like, yeah, I love Wicked. Yeah. Um, and we need to get so much better at being like, yeah, but do you not know this? Right. Have you not heard of this? Right. We need to get so much better at, at going away from that because it, no, they don't know that. They, of course, they don't know what title of show is. Right. Why would they? Yeah. Like, they don't have a. Popular. They don't have a way not... in. They don't have exactly. A, yeah. So why not be like, oh my god, Jill, if I could. Well, actually, um, Chris Chenoweth, 
who is in that show, who's also in uh, this musical, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. She's also in a musical called A New Brain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you yeah. lead you'd, people you'd, into the fire. You'd love her in this recording of Candide. It's kind of like an opera. It's slow at points, but right. it's but great. how good is this song? Look yeah. at, you know what I mean? Watch this video. And then it's like, oh, that is fantastic. Oh my God, I'm going to listen to... Yeah. The, and then people organically find these little yeah. roots. And that's utopia. It's because that, everyone likes music theater at that point. It's that, I mean, there's an XKCD comic for everything, but it's that XKCD comic that's like, I'm so excited to introduce people to new things. Yeah. You know, because that never happens. It doesn't. And it's, that's, I think that, like, Patty and Emily really hit on a really good point there. Mm-hmm. And it's something I think we all need to get a lot better at because it's so, and it is, it's true, because we get so excited because we're like, hang on, I know so much and I can... And you, your instinct is to put people down. Right. Right? Because you're like, I am at the top. Oh right. my God. I know so right? much. You don't even know James Corden exactly. is doing an offensive portrayal in the prom. Right? Like- right. Right, 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 right. Because um, I've actually had some really difficult uh, interactions with some of my friends about this. So because we host a musical theatre podcast, mm-hmm. um, everyone thinks I know everything about musical theatre. Oh God, we don't know anything. I absolutely don't know everything about musical theatre. No. Like, many of our listeners will attest to that, right? We <laughs> as make they, as they do on a bi-weekly basis. Absolutely. Um, and guess what? I'm fine with that. It's great. Because uh, there's too much responsibility at the top. If you have to, But you feel a lot of pressure. So I was at a musical theatre quiz, mm-hmm. um, which was full of musical theatre fans a lot of people there i would say know more than me oh, about yeah. musical theatre but because i do this fucking podcast <laughs> <laughs> right everyone was like well obviously jimmy's gonna win obviously and people are like can i be on your team and i'm like don't like yeah. what are you doing like it's too much pressure so when i inevitably didn't win mm-hmm. people were screaming at me like i can't believe you didn't win i can't believe i beat you oh my god this is amazing you're not i can't believe i thought you would have won blah, blah, blah. and i'm like this is disgusting behavior yeah and i got really angry i got yeah. really angry at my friends because i was like I, this is ho- how do you think this makes me feel you're basically just being like you're fucking stupid you do a podcast on this and you didn't win this because i'm like yeah because guess what i don't know everything no right and it's that exact same kind of gatekeeping mentality of like oh my god i know more than you i'm gonna put you right down not at all right right we need to share let me bring you into such a rant i'm so sorry it's it's i i think it is so important and and like i know and try to check myself and i'm more and less successful at it in this kind of gatekeeping like I, we've talked about it before. There's a persona that I've cultured on my YouTube channel, especially. Right. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And I'm and I'm trying to get away from on this podcast, but still exists and is a thing that also some people come to look for, that I am kind of a curmudgeon about shows and, you know, we'll, we'll have dissenting and disliking kind of opinions. Um, yeah. And, like, that's not the best choice. It's not. And it's not. It's hard to find the balance. You know, it's why we always catch ourselves whenever we describe the show as being you know, like anything near what a theater critic would be. Because right. that's not what we want to be about the show. Cause, and like, honestly, and it, you know, I think critics are one of the most poisonous part of this industry. 
because mm-hmm. they do strike that kind of gate. They're literally their job is to be the gatekeeper, right? <laughs> the, uh, the gatekeeper, Should you see yeah. this show, let me tell you whether I'll put the drawbridge down or not. Like Absolutely. What fucking bullshit. Yeah. How dare you yeah. assume you know that much? And also, for example, like seeing that show business documentary, the critics feature quite a lot in it. Mm-hmm. Um and they keep going back to this like kind of round table they're at where they're having this really smarmy meal to get it's a, it's not it's not it doesn't make you like critics right <laughs> sure. watching them because they're really up their own arse. But one of them, um Oh my god. That was a fun noise. It sounded what? like Skype. What even was that? Whoop. I don't know. I what heard it too. I heard it too, so it can't be Skype, because that's in your ears. That might have happened in real life. Is your phone somewhere? I mean, yeah, it's in front, but it doesn't make that noise. But that wasn't in my... No, I heard it. Whoop! Something like that. It sounded like the Skype messaging noise. It did, but why wasn't it... I don't know. Why did it come out my laptop? I don't know. Oh my god. I'm very creeped out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that at all. Anyway, so I can't remember where I got to. Um, so round, yeah, round table, quite smart me. Round table. Um, they, yeah, one of them was like, actually, do you know what? Um, when I went back to see Taboo again, I actually quite liked it, and you know, I made a mistake in what I said. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to post a retraction, are you? The thing's already posted its closing notice, and here's you being like, you made a, you know, snap decision and doomed a show. That's one of my, and it is one of my most painful videos. I don't think I've ever rewatched it, but I am very appreciative that I made it. Is Sondheim September, and I remade a discussion of Sunday in the Park with George. Because um, mm. I did a watch along. I remember that. And was, and was super critical and didn't like the show. And yeah. then I think at your recommendation, actually, I watched a boot of uh, the British girl. The London, yeah, yeah. Jenna Russell. And it was, and it, and it hit me different. And, and like, Im- like immediate, I think I watched it like on my phone sitting on my bed. And like mm. in minutes was like, I'm filming this follow up about how I feel. Um, right. And like, you know, it's unscripted. It's not my best work. Um, and I have I have not rewatched it. I don't like rewatching myself to begin with. Yeah. Um, but it will forever live on my YouTube channel because that's important. Exactly. To know that you can change your mind, to know that all of this is subjective. There are no rules. As much as we like categorize and talk about patterns and try and poke these things out, and that's fun. And mm-hmm. yeah, whatever, it's art. Like you can do anything. Right. Right. But I think I think that's a really good point because I don't think enough people change their mind. Right. I I remember, right, mm-hmm. back when I was becoming a musical theatre fan mm-hmm. and developing these gatekeepy sure. mentalities, I remember I used to be like, Spring Awakening is the worst thing that's ever happened to musical theatre. Mm-hmm. What bullshit. <laughs> I barely li- I think I'd listened to the cash recording once yeah. loosely. Sure. And I'd made that decision because it had because I was like, it's overtly sexual. It's just like, to me, I was like, it's just trying to be controversial for the sake of being controversial, right? right? Not understanding that that actually isn't the case at all. And it's really deeply artistic. Um, Like, and I just made that thing. And because I just wanted to sound, you know, I wanted to sound up my own arse. Well, it's it's an easier decision. Like, I think, you know, 
we it made it into last call, but um, I think. But Jimmy and I talked a bit about the prom movie that has come out that we haven't watched yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there's lots of hot takes on the internet about how James Corden kind of does perhaps an offensive uh, gain interpretation of a gay character. Yep. Which, if you ask my gut right now, I'm pretty confident that thing exists in this movie, and it's a thing I don't like, and a thing that mm-hmm. would make me really uncomfortable even supporting watching the movie. Mm-hmm. I will probably watch it at some point, mm-hmm. and there are parts of it that I'm probably really going to like, and yeah. some of the queer lesbian representation in it that I think are going to be really important. Totally. And some of the Ryan Murphyisms that I'm going to hate. Like, there's, you know, I'm, I hear there's some, like, fat phobic shit in there, and... You know, I'm always upset when they don't cast Broadway stars in the movies. Like, there's right. all sorts of things. And it is that it's, you know, it's it's uh, it's Matt Smith with Vincent Van Gogh at the art exhibit. Like, there's piles of good things and piles of bad things, but they don't disbalance each other. Yeah. Both of these things can exist at the same time. And you're right. There's a lot of gatekeeping-y discourse as shows like break out of the bubble of musical theater and enter just pop culture like wicked did like you can hear you can hear remixes of wicked songs playing on speakers at target still to this this day yeah right um that doesn't happen with like what hamilton maybe that's probably well, it's about not happened it. yet with Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, like, I've heard I've heard Hamilton at a Starbucks. I've heard some of the Hamilton mixtape at a Starbucks. Yeah, which is really cool. Oh, the mixtape. Yeah, but is it, and that's, that's what you're fair. hearing when you hear yes, Wicked too. Uh, yes, okay, um, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't that doesn't happen with the art form we love, and it's easy to fall into the trap of like, well, why doesn't it? You know, why am I not hearing the prom when I go when I'm at the McDonald's drive-through? Um, and you know, it, it, it is worth it to remind yourself to like resist those urges and be Mm -hmm. welcoming when someone enters the dark side. That's it. That's it. I I think that's it. It's just like have welcoming at the forefront. Don't have, don't try and be protective. Don't try and just demonstrate how much, you know, that's not what it's about. It's find out how much they know. Yeah. I love and then support them. The teacher trick I've learned, very useful conversation starter, or to get you out of a you don't know how to respond. Mm-hmm. What did you like about it? Yes. What did you like about it? Yeah. Oh, I love Wicked. Yeah. What? Oh, what do you like about it? Figure it out. Dive in deeper with the person. Exactly. It just leads to much better discourse. Yeah. Mm. Changing lives, Tommy. We're changing lives. <laughs> yeah, okay. For the better. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because they knew us, they have been changed. For good. I briefly this will be divulging too much, but that's all right. Um in between teaching jobs that I liked, <laughs> I took a teaching job at a school that I was not so thrilled about. Um mm-hmm that needed someone to teach theater, but they mostly needed someone to teach choir. Uh, I'm not a choir teacher. I took three years of piano in junior high and was in choir a couple times. I taught four sections of choir and one section of theater. (laughs) Choir enrollment went from 23 to five by the end of the year. Oh God. And the, and I found a new job and like adored my students, loved them to death. I was a bad teacher for them. Not like, 
not like a, a lazy teacher, just like incompetent. Um, right, but they shouldn't have recruited you into that position. Exactly. Also, yes. it was like the only reason choir and theater existed at the school is because they were like, if you didn't get into honors math, then you took an art, and the arts oh. they built was like, so it was like people who didn't want to be in choir. Um, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, very problematic. But the like six kids that stuck it out with me till the end of the year, we were recruited to sing a song at graduation. And I picked for good. Great graduation song. Also Fantastic graduation a, song. A great backing track sold by whatever music publisher we had. Yes. And I, I know it song, well. And I knew the song very well. And it was two parts. <laughs> SA yeah. and TB. And there was not a dry eye in the house. Well, in the gymatorium. <laughs> very still close. a house. Still a house. <laughs> biggest successes. And my favorite part was after I conducted the song at graduation, I left the rest of the ceremony because I needed to make it to a job interview for another job. I didn't watch the rest of the graduation. That's perfect. And then is that the job you're in now? That's the job I'm in now, yeah. <laughs> well, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Good. I'm glad we'll have a celebration the Glindaway. Thank goodness. Welcome to Thank my quarantine one-man performance of Wicked. So, um, I think it was uh, Megan. It mm. might have been Kendra again, but I think it was Megan who does a really good, like, um, uh, um, ah, oh, like yodely. I can't remember the correct term, but like a little yodely okay. flip. And thank goodness, fucking great. Again, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> so good. You, because I know you, I have been changed for good. And just to clear the air, I ask forgiveness for the things I've done you blame me for. We know there's blame to share And none of it seems to matter anymore Like a comet cold from it As it passes a by a wind off the sea That was wicked, Jimmy. We didn't spend wicked. A, a wicked. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about the MGM film, but you know, a realization I had, I think, spurred on by a tweet recently. Right. 
in the movie. Yep. Mrs. Gulch. Right. Yeah. She's mad at Dorothy. Do you remember why? Because she owns a dog? Because Toto bit her. Allegedly. Oh, okay. And she says, uh, I'm all but lame from the bite on my leg. I've had such a terrible bite on my leg from your daughter's dog. Mm-hmm. What is Miss Gulch known for? Cycling. Riding her bike. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And that is why Auntie M was just like, I'm having none of it. Because <laughs> she knows. She's smart. The movie could have ended right there. She'd be like, you rode your bike here. Get out of here. There's a tornado exactly. coming. Yeah. And then she can ride a fucking bike in a tornado. That's true. Who can She's do that? Fine. That's my She's favorite fine. X Games competition. Yeah. With tornado BMX. I'm in X Games mode. That's a TikTok reference, I think. <laughs> do you want a Taskmaster reference? What's fun? <laughs> BMXing! Um... That's great. Thank oh, you. Tommy, I'm so happy you're watching it. Anyway, um, do you want to know what we're going to do next? I do, but will you tell me in the form of a quiz question? Oh, fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Do something a bit different. Um, hey, a musical adaptation of this, musical adaptation of this holiday film is, as far as we can tell, Jay Leno's only foray into musical theatre. Jay Leno. What's the deal? Have you seen these musical theater? This is out there. What's the? I watched one the other night. I'll tell you all. Anyway, if you want to get in, did you like my Jay Leno impression? I thought that, that was, was actually quite good. That was very like talk show host. Thank you. If you want to get in to... touch with us, our show Twitter and Instagram <laughs> is Jim and Tomic, or drop us an email on our website at jimandtomic.com. I'm not again. I'm not going to keep that up. Um, <laughs> I could while you're there. <laughs> check out our Patreon. Uh, do you know? I mean, do you know the reference I'm doing from Parks and Rec? You sound like Vincent Price. Who's that? The, he's Vincent Price. You would recognize his voice immediately. He has the spookiest voice in all of television. It's a little lower too, but I'm here to a spook and scare you. Okay. That wasn't what I was going for. I was going for a Parks and Rec reference, but it's fine. Anyway, hey, when you're on our website, jimandtomic.com, please check out our Patreon if you would like to financially support the show um, and get access to our uh, extra podcast, video podcast that we like to call Last Call. Um, You get to see our faces. You get to see our faces. This time it's a bumper edition. It's like seven hours long. long. Yeah, seven hours long. Um, Yeah, and... We just want to say a big, big thank you as ever to our current patrons uh, who we love dearly. We adore you. I'm making a heart shape with my fingers. Um, but also, Me too. Mo- you can see that on last call. <laughs> that Most of all, it helps us uh, when you uh, tell your friends about our show. People only find it really, 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 really only find our show when other people tell them about it. So uh, thank you to all of you who do that and, uh, and do do it. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you very much. And hey, Tommy. Uh huh. Cheers. Cheers. Have you ever 
wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. There's this really like big paragraph about her pubic hair. I'm not even kidding. Why didn't they put it, that in the though. musical? <laughs> yeah, I know. Fit great number. <laughs> what, rhymes with, what rhymes with pubic? Um, lube ick. I don't know. Like someone who doesn't like lube. I don't know.